0: Welcome everyone to a bonus episode of Couch Potato Diary coming to you from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions Broadcast Studio, your one-stop commercial and residential cleaning company based out of Calgary with a fantastic team ready to make your life simpler and easier by fulfilling all of your cleaning needs. Check them out online, clearwatercleaningsolutions.com. You can find me online, social media, Twitter and Instagram. I'm at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK, and you can email the show Diary at yahoo.com. Uh, So this one is another one from the fine folks at the Fresh Take Network, the Sports Rundown. Haven't done one of these in a little bit, so it was nice to get back on with Josh and the gang. Uh, Coming up after this, we are going to get into today's ticket. So we cover a whole lot in this uh, world of uh, professional wrestling, Major League Baseball, the National Football League, National Hockey League, some basketball in there as well. So thank you all so much for tuning in. Today's ticket coming up after the Sports Rundown with myself uh, and Josh Arbuthnot on the Fresh Take Network.
1: What it is, what it do, welcome to Fresh Take, Joshua Adamoy, i that with the sports rundown and the returning Peter Klein. Yeah, a uh, long time first time it kind of feels like, it's it's been a yeah. minute sir, how are you? I am good, glad to have you back on here, busy life uh, yeah. between us, you were you adding a bunch of accolades to your side and your resume piling up so I appreciate getting the time to uh, get to do another one as we are in the... The dawn of the sports equinox.
0: Yeah, yeah, these baseball pushing into November that these are starting to become a, a little less special and we should be having more of them but baseball's decided to capitalize on the momentum they have by yeah. waiting till Friday for the World Series but you yeah. know it's 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 such a great time to be a sports fan like it's this time and then it's April when you have all of those other uh, all these sports converging again, but the other one I guess the NFL is kind of done there's the draft
1: but no, that this really is like the best time of year for sports. And then, so the World Series will end. And I think depending when the World Series ends, you'll go about two weeks without a fourth, like all respect to EPL and everything like that. But the World Cup is about to come and engulf us all. Yeah. So, and and for people like me, uh, people like uh, Sandra Personia, uh, that's going to be going for, it's this weird situation when you've been going for one specific country your entire life, right? Being a Brit, uh, British-Canadian I only knew one thing to do in the World Cup and that was to go for England and same with Sandra. She would go for Croatia. And now we're like, oh, I have two choices now. <laughs> well, and for Sandra, it's the same group, right? Like, yeah, like she yeah. Is, um, I was, I was so thankful I didn't get that. I texted her. I'm like, yeah, man, you got what I did not want because I did not want to have that choice yeah like i've i've
0: worked with sandra for over 10 years and like the the gen as i'm sure you know genuinely yeah. the nicest human being on the planet like yeah. th- there is not a a softer spoken nicer person you put croatian soccer on <laughs> and it is like a sailor took over her body That's the only time i've ever heard her swear um and i say sailor i've heard her swear twice um but i i believe both times were officiating related during a, a croatia match and so now to have that passion that she has, but again, no one cares more about Canadian soccer than her, and yeah. she she's been beating this drum for a long time. So I I just want like a Twitch stream of what she is doing during that Canada Croatia matchup um, next month because that like it, it it feels torturous that she has to go through that.
1: Yeah, I do not. What what happened? I texted her right away. I'm like, everything that happened with you. Was the thing that me and my uh, f- family was like, please do not have... English. And I'm sure, you know, it, and, and specifically in Calgary, there's obviously a lot of Croatians here. I'm not doubting that. But there's, you know, when you, when World Cup comes along, the flags you see the most are probably what Italian and English flags. Yeah. And I was yeah, like, like I, I don't want those
0: two things to collide. <laughs> no. I, I see a lot of just because where, where I live, I'm, I was right by what you the the, the bar formerly known as worst. So I yeah. see a lot of the the German flags around, and yeah, that's the German yeah. You know that's my my heritage. So yeah, um, I, I maybe I just caught those. But no, you're right. Like Italy and England were the two main ones. But yeah, I it, it's gonna be it, it's just it's strange. Like I mean, this World Cup is strange for a number of reasons. A, it's yeah. on while other sports are happening. B, the reason that it is on while other sports are happening are dreadful and terrible. Sure. Um, but also, like, Canada's in it for the first time in a long time. And like you said, we, we've had all these different rooting interests, whether it's for um, a- ancestral homelands or whether it's for favorite players or whatever. Yeah. And now there, there's this Canadian tie to it that, that just makes it really, really fascinating to, to see how people are going to kind of handle the
1: cheering of this. The most interesting thing for myself is I'll be down in the States mm. on a Friday for the England and American game. Oh, wow. Which is going to be one of the most interesting events of my life that I know. Yeah, no, a lot kinda, of people like you're going to get punched. I'm like, I'm not going to get punched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: i I've never been the visitor of a, a any type of soccer thing before. You know, like I the the, the EPL team that i cheer for is manchester united and it, yeah. it's not like that's some little niche thing like there's a no. lot of us out there uh, who are now tortured but i have never been the visitor of any kind of soccer thing but i think a nice easing into it is the the united states because i i think they're i yeah. don't want to say level-headed about the united states but not quite as punch you in the face as some other countries might be
1: yeah i think people that are watching i don't know if you have Peter, but watching well, welcome to wrexham i think people are getting an idea of, of those atmospheres. When I went to visit my uh, sister and brother-in-law when they were living in uh, Plymouth, uh, England, that at that point, and they were facing Cambridge, and you just really get to see how nuts it is of the, the, the folks from Cambridge drove in, and they're on this one side, and people in Plymouth are on this side, and they're dueling back and forth. And just by this weird circumstance of irony, I remember I got back and I was uh, at a Flames and Oilers game uh just a week later and the girl and her boyfriend that were sitting next to me she happened to be english she's like this is so quiet and to the boyfriend he's like we're talking about this is the battle of bird." he's like no like where's the chance where's the like she mm-hmm. it's just like is like and he just he just didn't really understand and i'm not the type of person that accepts or tries to eavesdrop onto people but i had to my i have to interse- uh, interrupt like because she's english this is a whole diverse type of atmosphere that, yeah. that she's not used to.
0: Yeah, no, my my sister lived over there for a couple of years um, teaching and she was in Reading and they were relegated and it was still just absolute madness yep. and like an atmosphere, atmosphere she's never been to before. And she's been to a, a number of different live sporting events over the years too. So yeah, it's, it, it is it is a different atmosphere. But even like the, the world that we pay attention to of professional wrestling, yeah. you think of how different UK crowds are um, and you can always tell when a number of fans have come from par- pardon the expression but across the pond um, yeah. to, to come here for, for different wrestling shows because you get the the different chants and the different sing-alongs and what we saw at AEW in Toronto a few weeks ago we, we've tried to adopt some of that um, in Canada specifically with the wrestling fans but they are a, a, a different animal when it comes to different fan bases and things like that and some of the things they, they cheer and chant at different soccer games I mean some of it is horrendous some yeah. of it
1: is hilarious But they they certainly get their shots in. Well, since you went to wrestling first, it wasn't my first subject, but just because it was on my mind. So we got announced today that Elimination Chamber is in Montreal. And I think this year WWE has something hanging over them that they kind of didn't mean to happen. But it happened, which is Sami Zayn. And maybe the best booking choice as far as money is The Rock versus Roman Reigns. Maybe a cool story would be Cody Rhodes at this point, but you are in yes movement territory right now with Sammy. yeah, no, you really are. Um, and
0: that that's not going to be quieter in Montreal. No, you know, like that 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 off the show Man, i I don't know, because like at this point, you don't need anything to make Roman more dastardly, right? like you no. you we, we've established he is a bad guy. In yeah. the world of professional wrestling, like we we, we have covered this now, um, but if if you wanted to go like oh that's Heat Pal from a, a different era, you could have like Sami Zayn. He is like he's the first entrant in Elimination Chamber uh, to become the number one contender for Roman Reigns' undisputed championship. Which I guess technically the Royal Rumble Rumble winner would be, but just just go with me on this. Yeah. Um, you, you could have like Sami Zayn go through like one, two, three, four, five. There's just four, I guess. And there's just one remaining and Roman Reigns costs him that shot. Um, And then it's like Roman is this uber heel and there's a weird like, meshing of Sami Zayn and The Rock or something. I I am with you though. I, I'm interested at how they play that. And also this is the first time we've seen like Triple H have to deal with this, yeah. right? And we know how Vince probably would handle it and that's just try to bulldoze through and whatever. But we, we haven't seen like with the NXT crowds, they never really hijacked anything. Like it was no. NXT just kind of went along wherever um, um uh, uncle triple h decided to take us so i'll be interested to see how they handle this because you're right they have something with, with sammy Zayn. people love this dude and for good reason like this is the best run um character wise of his career so yeah. i i hadn't really put that together until just now as you can probably tell by me rambling and trying to figure out what the hell to do Eat with my it. dog but it's 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 interesting like it's really really interesting to see how they would
1: handle this yeah, I mean, I've before this Elimination Chamber thing had happened, I looked at the multiple things. I'm like, if you really wanted to, even you could do one night Sammy and one night Rock. Uh, I've always mm-hmm. kind of been at the component too that necessarily Roman doesn't need to have the title versus the Rock. It doesn't really make a lot of sense because that, that's a draw in itself. But if someone was going to end this reign, Cody's going to get the championship eventually, like, yeah. no doubt about it. And if, if it's just Cody versus Seth, At Mania right now for the U.S. title, it's still going to be a big draw. And Cody gets that belt, and there's no rush. Cody Rhodes to get the WWE title. If Sammy's the one that ends this, he's never been a world champion. There's a whole indie story with El Generico and everything like that. There is a way to build things up. You can start from, I'm guessing, just from what happened on SmackDown this week, I'm guessing War Games is Sheamus's crew versus the Bloodline. The yeah. way that they're going about it right now, and I'm assuming that might lead to a Seamus-Roman match at uh, the Royal Rumble, potentially. But mm-hmm. if you could just imagine, at the end of that Royal Rumble, let's say Cody doesn't come back and that. Cody comes back a few days, uh, like a random SmackDown or something like that, or Raw or whatever. But the, at the end of the Rumble, it's Solo Sakia and the Usos. And they're like, yeah. we did what we needed to do. Let's just get out of here now. And Roman doesn't have to face anybody. That's what the bloodline's supposed to do. And KO's on the outside of it, yelling at him, and just kind of makes magic happen. Yeah, and then even at Elimination Chamber, maybe Sammy doesn't necessarily the win. Let's say Sammy gets the ship beat out of him, and that's where he returns for the first time to take yeah. on his WrestleMania challenger. It's, yeah. it's, it's so set up.
0: Yeah, well, and and the the, the two night aspect of it too, because they are doing two nights, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the two night aspect of it, like you could do kind of again the Daniel Bryan story where he had to beat Triple H earlier in the night to to make it through you could have Sami Zayn against Uso X or fucking all of them you know like yep. he has to he has to beat two of them on night 1 another one on night 2 and then he can get Roman Reigns um that does mean you are closing with Sami Zayn against Roman and I do think they would want to go Roman V um the rock if they're going to yeah. do that to to close the show at WrestleMania um it is great like it's an amazing story and it's awesome what sammy has been able to do i don't think any wrestler's momentum is going to overtake a plan of putting the rock in the main event of, of course not of you know like not. that's like as great as it is and if they want to do it to a point where they they get the title off of roman then maybe but i i think while we say this is an event of itself i think for kind of a mainstream audience which is what you're doing here right like you're you're not bringing in The Rock to WrestleMania so that you get a few extra bits of coverage from the Wrestling Observer. Yeah, you're doing this no. so like ET comes and extra yeah. and whatever those other so that because you're already at, in LA, right? So that I at the Daily Hive or the uh, the guys at Offside will be covering it. They they want those types of things. Uh, me specifically, of course, but um, you you want those types and you want to position Roman Reigns in a way where he seems important. He is the star of your company right now. He is kind of the the next one beyond The Rock, right? Like he's, or I guess beyond John Cena now. But yeah. th- if you want this to be like a real passing of the torch or whatever the hell, you want Roman to be viewed as something great. And you want that WWE championship or the, the championships, I guess, to be on Extra and E.T. and the other various whatever media yeah. shows there are out there. And so while I it is great for all of us to think about Sami Zayn as the, the WWE universal champion, getting his moment in Los Angeles at WrestleMania, the odds of it happening are actually pretty slim.
1: They are pretty slim. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a good problem to have, right? They, they totally. have this Cody return on their, on their side. They have whatever they want to do with Sammy. I mean, if it is him and KO winning the take titles, it's still going to make for a very nice moment. Even if they yeah. now decide to do that in Montreal and that's where they beat the Uso's at that point. Yeah. And then kind of go from there. Uh, the other interesting thing for WWE right now is there might be a really big free agent that they have to make a choice on as the CM Punk and the elite drama seems like it's winding down itself. And it seems like the, according to Dave Meltzer that the locker room had a vote and noting by some of the like tweets from Chris Jericho uh, that they deem Punk too toxic for the locker room and they don't want Punk out there. And there's negotiations right now to buys out of his contract. And then, the whole WWE side started with Punk. Um, I guess two things here. Number one, do you think there's any chance Punk will return, despite the rumor saying WWE is open to it? And would it be a good choice for Punk, or is it better for him just to walk away now?
0: Yeah, I, I think it's better for him just to walk away now. Um, I mean, the best case scenario, I think, for honestly for everyone involved, is that cooler heads prevail and he sticks in AEW. You yeah. know, like I, I, while while that does seem extremely toxic there right now, and um, like far be it for me to suggest that uh, a, a toxic work environment stay toxic. That's no fun for anyone. But if you can get that worked out, and if you can let cooler heads prevail and stop biting each other and things like that, it, it's still a perfect set of, Like the, all all of the things we talked about with CM Punk in AEW. Now that the forbidden door is open a little bit, um, and and now that you have like this amazing talent roster for CM Punk to work with, it it still makes the most sense for Punk to be there. Punk in WWE, it it just, it doesn't mesh anymore. And this feels, so like, I I have completely ruled out Punk into the the WWE. I just, I don't see that being a, a potential anymore. And so for AEW, you're now like the, the locker room is better. And that, that is very valuable. Uh, addition by subtraction is a real thing. You are down a star in what is probably one of your biggest markets. And has CM Punk damaged his brand enough that you don't have to deal with CM Punk chants the 55 times you go to Chicago every year? Um, like it, it would, would there be a potential hijacking in the same way there was when Punk left WWE the first time? So that there's that you would have to deal with. And for Punk, this is a remarkably unsatisfying way to end your career. Like, if this is it, because if, if he's not in AEW, I don't know, like, does he go to New Japan? Does he go to All Japan or Noah? Um, he's like 20 years too young to be the Noah champion right now. Yeah. Um, but d- does he go to one of these different places? And is that enough for him? Cause it does feel like this was legitimately an itch that he needed to scratch. And now that he has had it, it, it feels like, like he was back in it, but then he just couldn't, stop himself from feeling like the whole world was against him and that led to a a number of different humans biting humans thing so that's that that has led to a number of different things but I I still think best case scenario for almost everyone involved is Punk just stays in AEW because if he doesn't I don't know
1: where else Punk has to go it feels almost hypocritical by him to go to WWE in some ways it feels everything that he has talked about specifically the past year it just hypocritical and look we've already seen that Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows are prime suspects of being hypocritical of saying there and that's why they say never say never for the yeah. WWE but Carl Anderson said never say never unless he needs a bigger pool well I guess he needed that bigger pool yeah. and what's going to happen with him in the never championship is very very interesting unless that's been resolved this week and I missed it in the crazy week that I had I don't know if you heard anything about that
0: I haven't heard anything either no
1: yeah yeah uh, but, yeah, I don't see that coming. I mean, I'm even at the point now. like I don't know what's the status of Sasha Banks. I mean, she looks healthy. She looks like she's having a blast. She's killing it on the model scene right now. I don't know if we'll see her anytime soon. I mean, they just got all this buzz off of the Bray Wyatt stuff, which is super cool and very, very yep. interesting. I think WWE right now, since we talked, and I, I think the last time we talked was this Vince stuff was at its apex, and he just left, and there was a lot of bad PR, and I guess – Gun to your head at that point, you would say the better company is AEW. Well, now where it is, the better on-the-map product is still AEW, but the bigger overall side of things is probably WWE. Yeah.
0: Well, and this was something that we always talked about with the WWE, it's not like they had bad wrestlers, you know. Like no. like a- AJ Styles is still very good at this thing, yep. and they have Zayn, and they have Kevin Owens, they have Drew McIntyre, and, and I, I know in in some circles of the internet, it's it's not um, the, the most popular thing to say. Roman Reigns ain't awful, you know. No. Like that they have they have so many. Ta- I could go on and on and on and on and on about the talented performance they have in WWE. The problem was none of the stories made a damn bit of sense. No. But now that there is even just a bit of cohesion between stories and things are done outside of this formula that WWE had fallen into for the past decade or more. Now that those things have kind of gone away, if the wrestling is even close to on par with WWE and AEW, there are some storyline things in AEW that are just a bit, okay, fine, whatever. Lance Archer did come in and beat five jobber guys. And now he is the number one contender and now he's gone again and no one knows where he is. And where's Miro. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like there's, it, we kind of forgive AEW for a lot of these things because we want them to be good and we want them to be second best. and We might even want them to be first best. And we want a company with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and John Moxley and all of those guys. We want that company to do well. And so we kind of overlook like some of the, oh yeah, this story doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but that's fine. We'll just roll with it. Um, but now if WWE is going to be like close to, to on par with, with some of the wrestling stuff and then the stories make sense it does kind of push things in the favor of WWE and it makes you think about like how differently things would be viewed if Vince would have maybe stepped away a little bit sooner and let Triple H kind of take this thing over before guys like Moxley uh, Moxley left or Rusev left now Miro um, or, or things like that, you know, like it just, it makes you, it's such a a weird phrase, but it does make you think about where things might be from a a WWE landscape right now. But yeah, no, like I, I find myself, I'm excited for wrestling in general, but I do find myself getting a bit more excited for Mondays and Fridays than I do Wednesdays in the last little bit.
1: Yeah. I mean the Bray stuff alone, I, like, I didn't go crazy on the Reddit scene with the QR codes and everything. I enjoyed listening to post wrestling and then breaking it down or whatever other source would do it. And Bray's speech and everything has been emotional. Bray still has to get in the ring Mm because he's still a mediocre wrestler. But right now that doesn't seem to matter right now. And and at the end of the day in wrestling, sometimes that matters more because like Kevin Owens said a long time ago, sometimes you remember the moments more than the matches and the matches are very, very important. And like you said, there is, compared to where we were in 98 when I could name you in the attitude era, maybe five talented wrestlers on that product and, The best at one point in the Attitude Era was probably Sean Waltman, if you're talking about all aspects in the ring. Now I can tell you about 50 to 60 talented men and women on that roster. It's a completely different side of it, and they can tell stories.
0: Right. Well, and, like, you think about the Attitude Era. Like, what is the best match of the Attitude Era? It's like – I. I I, like from bell to bell i i I don't know like one of the 85 stone cold rock matches but we remember mick off the cage we remember the beer truck we remember uh the the icy title into the river we remember austin into the river yeah we remember all of these different things um we we remember a lot of bad ones you know like hands and stuff but um like we remember all of these moments but the matches like aren't really there and you think about like There have been some amazing WrestleMania matches. Like, obviously, there have been some incredible WrestleMania matches. But you think about, like, the things that you see first on any WrestleMania montage, it's Hogan-Andre it's rock against Hogan, you know, like it's yeah. the stare downs of like Cena and the rock looking at the crowd with the, the, the light bulbs flashing and everything like that. You know, like moments really do matter in professional wrestling matches do too. I'm not saying like everyone go out there and it's 1975 and you do a headlock for 45 minutes and you call it a night. The, the matches are very important now, but you do need to have those moments that, yeah. that really capture people. And it's like, Hey, this is a, a big thing. WCW is the same way. What's the best match in WCW history? I have no idea. Probably like a, a
1: flare and steamboat or a flare and sting.
0: Yeah, exactly. But what are the the moments that we remember? Goldberg, Jack um Hulk Hogan, or the, the Kevin Hall with the uh the, the yeah. Zapper thing. Like again, a lot of bad ones from WCW yeah. too, but it's Sting coming down from the rafters, you know? That's viewed. As one of the great storylines of all time, and they butchered the hell out of it oh, at the God. end. But they had yeah. so many great moments in there that, like, those were the things that you remember. And for WWE in the last little while, there have been a lot of great matches, not a lot of moments. You know, like there's just been very few of those over the the last little bit. And I think if you can, because this, you're right. This generation is maybe the best set up to mesh both of those things like amazing moments and also amazing matches.
1: Yeah. I mean, I uh, coming up, I mean, I guess a cheap plug here, Coming up this week in Calgary, we're going to have the, uh, the uh, dungeon wrestling show, Russell Ween. And you just look at the talent that's on that show. It's unbelievable. I mean, and there's, there's so many good t- shows that go around every single year, but just the fact that you're going to have the Bollywood boys and their story right now, on the scene, and that's the that, and that's the thing too. I'm loving right now is we're getting these stories of these guys uh, that are not in WWE, not in AW, and kind of seeing their journeys. Right, if you follow the story of the Bollywood Boys right now, it's really cool. Chris Masters is going to be here, who has been a Lakers podcaster for the last five years. Right mm-hmm. now, uh, Nick Aldis, who rejected going to AW, rejected going to WWE because he. Knew the NWA title meant something to him and wanted to try to do everything he could to make the NWA bigger and he could have been at least a second tier champion in either one of those. And then you got young guys like a Bari um, or Michael Bias that are on this independent scene that I'm sure you've seen a bunch of time. Uh, this week in AW, Will Nightingale, who has wrestled in the Winnipeg scene for the longest time. Wrestled up in Edmonton at I Love Wrestling and wrestled around here for a little bit a lot of the Prairie side of things. Just got an AW contract this week, so that's mm-hmm. a cool side thing too. Is we're seeing these stories outside the ring of some of these indie talent growing and seeing them come up. So when we look at the contract this week, it was like, oh, cool. And when uh, Mojabari, who's a local wrestler here, is trained by Brett and Lance Storm, seen when he was on when he got smashed by Amos or when he was uh, facing eddie kingston it's like oh this is a really cool story i've seen this growth of talent now as well
0: yeah well and that's something we missed during the pandemic right like because yeah. like all the big companies were going but those indie stories that we were able to to latch onto for a long time the guys who were wrestling in bola and pwg and stuff like that like we weren't getting those things we were just getting to the main roster things but now you're right like that there, there is there's a bunch of local stuff going on um out here in galgar right now like you said with um with dungeon wrestling and with can-am wrestling and with i i love wrestling up in edmonton and rcw is doing shows like every other week here in calgary like there there are so many great wrestling options to check out right now and then it's starting to to spread out you know and like if you just if you do a deep dive on youtube you can be there for a long time with like not just nwa but there's like mlw which i am a, a huge fan of that there's a number of other promotions that I, I can't even think of right now, but there's so many great options out there for professional wrestling at this time and now to, to kind of loop it all back because that was the thing i used to say before like you don't have to watch wwe and for a while i didn't like i yeah. i was just gone from wwe for a bit um and i, I didn't feel like my wrestling watching was really hindered like go, go check out stardom throw the the 999 yen at them for uh for a month um, especially if like that sasha
1: cheese is true
0: oh man oh man if that if that happens like there, there's so much great talent in stardom right now i am kicking myself for not getting onto it sooner i might uh the problem is there's never a dead time in wrestling but I, i've thought about just going back to the start of the library and just working my way from wow. 2011 yeah, be on because yeah uh, it would take a while but it's it, the wrestling is so good and there's so many great promotions that if there is one that you don't like what they're doing you don't got to support them but now that the wwe has kind of like picked up steam again it just makes the wrestling world that much more fun all
1: right well let's move on to the nhl and uh You'll be two times and get a little sour note for your teams, and I apologize uh, today, Peter. Let's start with Vancouver. <laughs> and yeah, uh, JT Miller, thing- not too happy, among no. other people.
0: No, well, yeah, basically everyone around Vancouver, not too happy. Oh, uh, thing- but sorry,
1: sorry. We just had a breaking trade. Oh, uh, James Robinson just got traded to the Jets. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. So oh, we'll come really back to that. that yeah. uh, it was He was traded for a sixth and a fifth round. So <laughs> uh, if you had Michael Carter and you're really excited about Michael Carter in fantasy, I got some bad news for you. Yeah. Yeah, Travis um, Etienne, I got some really good news for you.
0: Yeah, that's great news for, for Etienne. And I think great news for Robinson, because it or for Robinson fantasy owners too, because yeah. it did feel like he was out. Um, and now I do think part of it is he's just not as good as he was last year, right? And like Achilles injuries will do that to a guy. Um, but he had certainly taken a bit of a step back, and you could kind of see it as the weeks went on. He is going to get a great opportunity here with the Jets, uh, a team that like desperately needs something. Like it's it's been a great story so far, but now I think they have a couple against the Patriots and the Bills in the next few weeks. Like that, this yeah. is that this is getting to are you for real time? It's it's such a, a minimal cost. I don't mind taking this shot if I'm if I'm the New York Jets, and then like next year we've seen. The, I was saying this on, on my podcast. that's uh, going to come out a little bit later on, on Monday. Um, the, the Jets just have to look like down the hall um, at their, at the, I want to say the Meadowlands. I don't think it's that anymore, but um, they they just have to look down the hall at the New York Giants and see Saquon Barkley and see how long even young explosive running backs take to get over the type of injuries that Brees Hall has. So building in a bit of insurance, even when Hall comes back, this is,
1: I think, a really, really smart move from the New York Jets. This is the weird NFL time. Bill Simmons talked about this. he's like football breaking news trades. This never happened. No exciting.
0: Yeah. It's always like uh, a couple of guys who you've never really heard of for like a fifth and a sixth. But normally that the big thing is like, oh yeah, this guy got released and now there might be a a bid for his services. I, I I think trades are really underutilized in the NFL. Um, and, And I think that you're, you're starting to see like where the value can be with some of these like Carolina, got a decent haul for Christian McCaffrey, but like the 49ers, um, it, it didn't look like it against Kansas city, but I think the 49ers as that offense starts to evolve are going to be much more dangerous because of this trade. If you're a contending team, why not try to go out there and load up? We we've seen it work with the Rams, you know, like they've, they've built their team through trade. Basically I'm, I'm surprised it's taken this long for the rest of the, the rest of the league to try to catch up.
1: Yeah, me too. Uh, we come back to NFL. Sorry. I was interrupting you on, uh, on, on, on the then the Canucks, so let's go back to the Canucks now.
0: Yeah, um, the, the good thing for me is that um the Canucks and Flames have played at the same time a lot, and with game over Calgary, I yeah. I have to watch the Flame stuff. So I've barely seen any like live anyway, um, any of the the Canuck things that have happened. So by the time I get around to watching the game, it's a nothing whatever. You know, like it's I I already know that they blew a two goal lead. I'm aware of it, so there isn't the 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 whatever that's associated with it, but. Um, no, it's, it's a disaster in Vancouver right now. I, I hated the JT Miller extension. I, I don't think he is a great fit for this team. Um, I, I think he is a bit overrated. And now that they have like tripled down on this and given him a, another contract extension, and now it kind of feels like he's the CM Punk of that locker room where everyone is just kind of against it. Like it's it seems like an incredibly toxic situation right now in Vancouver. I will say if there's one year to be toxic, this is the year because there is quite the thing at the end of the rainbow, but lottery odds
1: are pretty difficult uh, these days in sports. I was going to say, you know, isn't this an okay year to, to be kind of bad? Like it's not, I mean, it's like in the NBA, it's like, Oh, we suck. I don't care.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's why doing like um, over under totals or anything like that is so interesting because if a team is bad, they're going to go to great lengths to be really bad. But the thing with Vancouver, like, look you're not you're not going to turn your nose up at Connor bedard obviously but Mm. the thing with vancouver they kind of already have what you want to get when you do a rebuild you know like they they have Elias pettersson and they have quinn hughes and brock besser and like horvat is some crazy how already starting to to age out a bit um and he needs a new contract but like you and thatcher demko as well like you have this young nucleus that you want to build around good coach just that And great coach. Yes. It's just that for the longest time now, they have done a piss poor job of building around that nucleus. Like they, they have, they have let those kids down to a point now where it's like, do you have to just start over again? Like it's, I just, I look at the young core this team has with those guys that I mentioned. And also pod Coles and, and um, Hoaglander just got sent down, but I think there's a lot there with him as well. Like there's a lot of exciting young talent on this team And you just have done such a terrible job of insulating it that you now find yourself different um, regime now, but you find yourself in a really, really tough situation.
1: I feel like we had this exact same conversation around this time last year as well.
0: Yeah, it's been the same conversation for forever. Um, It was this conversation with, hey, look, you have to take advantage of Besser and Pedersen's entry-level deals. And then they didn't. And now it's, I mean, you have Oliver ekman Larson and Tyler Meyer. That, That OEL trade they were a year away from being out of cap hell, right? Like Sutter was yeah. gone. Um, they had a couple of other big contracts that were just giant. Louis Erickson's contract was coming off of the books. You you had, I, I think it was Erickson. Anyway, you you had a number of different, um, you had a number of different contracts that were gone. It was going to be over. And they traded them all for another eight years or seven years or yeah. whatever the hell it was for Oliver Ekman Larson and just put them in the, this bind again. And it was all because there was this, we need to make the playoffs mandate from ownership and a general manager who is general managing for his job year to year, just trying to be the seventh best team in the NHL instead of building a, a sustained um, winger or a sustained winner. Sorry. So th- this is a long
1: time coming in Vancouver for sure. This is a silly question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Um, do you think that there is some sustained pressure on the Canucks with what they see from their West counterparts and the flames and the Oilers that the flames and the Oilers are at this contender level and, they feel somewhat sub um, – they have to be at that level. They'll be like, hey, these two teams are contenders. They're in the West. We're in the West. We can be right with these teams. Yeah.
0: I think that the pressure I think there is some of that for sure and then now there's another team that's just been built up just below you a natural rival with Seattle now where they didn't necessarily have that before now it hasn't gone great for Seattle although they're playing better to start this year um but no I think that there there is something to that and like they just went from they were so close game seven of the Stanley Cup final that was 11 years ago yeah like that 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 era is gone now. Those guys are in front offices and going into Hall of Fames and signing one day contracts to retire with the team like that. That era is gone and they haven't really managed anything well since and they've fallen into guys like Pedersen and Hughes and Besser. Um, I, I think the pressure is more you have like this next great wave of young talent and you've been wasting it. Um, I-, I think that's where the pressure comes, but no, you're right. Like you you see Edmonton who was just there for the taking for the longest time with rebuild after rebuild. And then they get yeah. McDavid and they still kind of sucked for a little bit. Um, and the flames who like had some exciting teams, but were by no means insurmountable. Um, and you've kind of let them pass you by and you're just, you're just there. So I, I think there would be some frustration by that for sure.
1: Speaking about the Flames, and since you're covering them so much right now, we didn't get a chance to talk a bunch about it during the summer. We had some times, but everything we kind of thought this team would be, they've been so far. Were you on them in the after watching them now for five games? I I love this team. Um, they are so much fun to watch. They have
0: gelled pretty quickly with the exception of the first line. And that's I, I think that is something that Flames fans can actually like hold on to is that this team is four hey, you're four and one. And you've beat Colorado, Edmonton, Vegas, and Carolina. Like th- those are four teams who have at least hopes of playing very far into May and potentially June. Like two of those teams, I get Colorado is coming off of a back to back, but that is still one less game you have to worry about playing Colorado. Um, yeah. And that's one more win against a very good team that some of the other teams around you aren't going to get, so they have to make it up in different ways. Um, but like Carolina and Colorado, I had them in the cup final this year. That, that was my cup final pick. And so to beat both of those teams is, I think, a great sign. And it's even better because that top line is not playing very well right now. And once that line gets clicking, and I do think they will, they're all, all three of them are too smart to not get this thing figured out. Once that line gets clicking, this team is going to be extremely dangerous. I am assuming at some point the fourth line isn't going to just draw eight penalties a game, um, and there might even be a bit of a dip for that second line, which has been tremendous so far. But like Calgary is still kind of figuring out how everything works, and they're winning while they're doing it. That that's a very very dangerous hockey team.
1: And even Markstrom, you know, he had a little bit of a rough start, and there was concerns there. And he seems yep. like he's kind of got it back together. I thought that Carolina went on. Uh, on Saturday was, like you were saying too, I it was a very impressive win. And I mean, even losing to Buffalo right now, Buffalo looks, I mean, they've had a great start so far. So that loss yeah. doesn't look as bad as it would under normal seasons that we're used to with Buffalo.
0: Exactly, yeah. And and when you beat like three top teams or four top teams, you don't love having a slip up like that. But you, like you said, Buffalo is, I think, better than people anticipated coming into the season. And they said on the broadcast, like that this could be, a game uh that's a bit of a wake-up call to this flames team where it's like hey like you guys are good but you kind of got to take everybody seriously you can't take the foot off the gas pedal for the night because th- those guys are paid to be here as well
1: the flames are still in that area that i like to go back to of that raptor zone of like mm-hmm. cool this is great it's lovely you can be the best team in the west i don't care it, it's very nice to see and credit to, tra- to brad to to get everything lined up, get everyone locked in. It's a masterful job of, of general managing, the new arena deal. Like, this is all lovely. But until the playoffs come, that's where everything matters now. This, this yeah. team is going to be a playoff team unless things just dramatically fall apart. It's about how they do in the playoffs. And it's a different side now, right? Because it's not going to be the fault of Johnny or of Matt, uh, of what we saw in the past from them. But we already know from Panther fans that they weren't happy with Huberto in the playoffs the last few times. So how is he going to perform for this team in the playoffs? We know that Naz, he knows what to do. But will Huberto be able to be that guy the Flames needed to be when the playoffs get going? Yeah, that is
0: that that is the question, right? And this year is all about fig- – or this regular season is all about figuring out where the pieces are supposed to go. So when you do have that that last little sprint at the end of the marathon, um, that everything is, is perfectly in line and you are ready to go because you're right that this team is going to be judged not by 82 games, but by however many they play in April, May, and June. And that that was going to be the case if Johnny and Kachuk stayed, but that is still the case now with this new group because it hasn't gone well in the postseason. Um, Yes, they beat the Dallas Stars. You needed seven games to be the 23-year-old goalie. Played out of his mind, that still shouldn't have mattered. It still shouldn't have been a problem. Um, And then Edmonton kind of ate your lunch. In the, the second round of the playoffs, as Oilers fans will, are, are very glad to let me know yeah. anytime I make any kind of trip towards them. Um, but no, you're right. Like this team is going to be judged on the postseason. I do think that they are built a little bit better for that. But I once agree. again, you go into a season or go into potentially postseason with three question marks on your top line. Like you said, Florida fans not happy with how Jonathan Huberto played, uh, Calgary fl- fans weren't particularly thrilled with how Tyler DeFoley did. In the the Stanley Cup playoffs and in the lead up to the Stanley Cup playoffs. And then Elias Lindholm, who I think the world of, but he was on that line with Gaudreau and Kachuk that did not produce the way that um, that line should have produced. And he's kind of insulated from some of the blame because Gaudreau and Kachuk were there, but... Uh, I, I don't think he's completely blameless in that either. So you have three guys who I think do kind of just need to step up here. Um, is it, like down the stretch. And I, I think yeah. that they will, but you're right. Like the, the pressure is on all of those guys.
1: And, I, and just with the way the contract's going now, too, right? Like about year three. And again, look where, you, where Sutter's contract is. Around that time, some of these are going to age poorly. But I don't want to be a Debbie Downer right now because, yeah, I, I love this team too. They're great. I'm not going to get into Edmonton. Being two or three, they're playing fine. It's early in the season. I haven't seen yeah. anything that's too concerning for me there. I'd like the Kraken starts and how they've gone. Dallas, they look every bit of what we're going to see in Ottinger has been has been great. And uh, the Atlantic is a is a this is a nightmare. Yes, yeah. Um, uh, I first of uh, first of all agree
0: with everything you just said there. Yeah. Um, and then the Atlantic, like yeah, Montreal is in last place at three and
1: three um and they're kind of good or at least yeah. a pain in the ass they're gonna be a hard out night to tonight yeah
0: yeah they're, they're not gonna win a ton of hockey games um but a
1: they're gonna be fun to
0: watch and be there like you said that they are going to be difficult to play against night in night
1: out but yeah like th- there and is has a press conference tomorrow i believe right
0: uh he had it today
1: actually oh did he um, okay nothing he did
0: not announce his retirement um, yeah. or anything like that. He That's just why I was said, like,
1: I thought it was today, but like nothing happened. So maybe it was tomorrow.
0: Yeah. There, there, wasn't a whole lot, um, really newsworthy just that he is not planning on retiring. Uh, which I'm sure, cap recapturing the Montreal Canadiens are very happy about that. Yeah. Um, he just said right now his goal is to go day to day without feeling in any pain, which is mm-hmm. not something you want to hear any human being have to say. No. Um, but no, you look at this Atlantic Division right now. If, as we said, Buffalo is better than we thought and four and one to start, um, and if Montreal is going to be this tough out, that there, there isn't an easy night in this division. Um, mm-hmm. And even like into the the bottom part of the the. Um, the, the other division, the the Metropolitan and the Eastern Conference, who's easy there? Like, I, I think the Devils are improved this year. Yeah. Um, obviously, Columbus has improved. They're still not great, but you still have to deal with Johnny Gaudreau for 60 minutes when you play them. The Islanders are always going to be difficult to play against. And like, it's just that this is it's a pretty stacked conference when you look at it compared yeah. to a year ago where the top eight teams finished with 100 points and then everyone else was 20 points back. But there are some difficult, difficult matchups in this Eastern Conference right now.
1: And Tampa's kind of falling a little bit back down to earth, but because but Ottawa had a really good offseason, right? So, yep. I, I mean, I guess I could tell you who I think, like, the locks are. And I even hesitate, like, I would assume Boston, because they're doing this without Marshawn right now. So he's still going to come back. Florida seems kind of like a lock and the Hurricanes seem like a lock. And I would assume the Leafs and I guess Pittsburgh. But other than that, I still think there's a lot of, and I mean, who knows? Things fall apart. Injuries happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I wouldn't have considered Pittsburgh and Boston locks at the beginning of the season, but they're just off to to such good starts. Like you said, like injuries happen, um, different things happen. I, I would imagine the Rangers are going to be right there. Um, when, when this thing is, is all said and done, but I, I would also assume Tampa Bay would be, but maybe this is the year that playing into the semi-cup final every year eventually wears on you. Um, and, and so I, I do think that there is a bit of a, a, a bit of a thing here where the, the Eastern conference is going to be
1: really, really tricky. So when we did our NBA over-unders, we, we talked about the Vic zone. Is there kind of a Briard zone here uh, of certain teams of being like, oh, we don't give a shit. Uh,
0: I mean, I, I don't that there is, but like, I, I think it's actually relatively small. Like I, I just, there are teams that I think should be in there, but I, I it's again, I, I feel like I'm overreacting to five games. There are some dreadful hockey teams that will eventually fall off and, and they should kind of, but you're like right now it's a bunch of them are in the West. I feel like Anaheim is going to get their kind of poop in a group um same thing with winnipeg or same thing with minnesota but yeah like some of that, that could be the thing too like some of these teams get really close and then or have to make a decision one way or the other but okay we're not like it's great that we could make the playoffs let's just finish as low as we can though so we don't get run in the first round and who knows where we finish in this lottery here
1: my question is so with lafreniere everyone was saying how he is his next prospect why do I need to believe Briard is such the next Connor McDavid? When I was told LaFinier at one point was going to be that guy as well.
0: Yeah, and that that's that that is very fair. Um, you you can do that about every prospect though, right? Yeah. Like, why well, why should we believe that Wembenyana is going to be this big thing? Chet Holmgren yeah. got injured; he's not even playing right now. You know, like you you can pick from every year and go, this guy was supposed to be this, and thusly, I don't know if this guy will be that. And yeah, like teams there's a reason why winning is so hard and why some of these rebuilds are are so difficult Um, is that you're banking on an 18 year old staying awesome. There is yes. uh, something electric about Connor Bedard and the fact that he's been doing this there since is. he was 15, 14 years old is ridiculous, but no, you're right. Like it's, it, there's a non-zero chance that it falls off, but you're playing the odds right now that this is like, he, he's been a generational talent at every level. Um, it does feel weird that it would stop at the National Hockey League level, but it's it's happened before. You're right.
1: Well, I mean, look, watching Briard uh, when he was in World Juniors, and now watching Victor, I gotta tell you, we were dealing with two unbelievably game changing special talents. Yeah. What I saw from Briard, I jaw dropped, and what I've seen from Victor Wamanyama, I I don't even have the words. I think yeah. the nickname Alien LeBron gave him is is apt. Yeah, any clip that you see
0: of when Manana is just like it, it feels like a video game character. You know, like it it feels like when you could just boost your guy up to 99 and everything. And he's 7 foot 1 playing point guard and defending Allen Iverson one night and Shaq the next An NBA Live 2004. It feels yeah. like that kind of a guy. Um like it's just it's tough to really wrap your head around what you're actually seeing with this guy. It's it's crazy. And then the same like Bedard just goes end to end and does a between the legs goal. Like it's you have both of these guys who just
1: like don't seem real right now. It's kind of and funny. We have two teams that we thought would be there with Buffalo and with the Jazz, and that shot of Danny Ainge last night. We just like internal monologue and Danny Age like, what do I have to do? Why did yeah. Laurie Market and turn into Dirk? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Like,
0: um, th- th- this is it's it's going to get to the point where it was like with Buffalo a couple of years ago when they were tanking for for Connor McDavid and eventually get Eichel, which worked out great for them. Yeah. Um, but like any time a goalie made a save for Buffalo, he was getting traded. They didn't want a soul even dreaming about playing quality hockey at that point. They were trading everyone out of there. I think you're going to see some hilarious um, trades. Like the the more Markkinen plays well, the more likely it is that he is getting dealt for a second round pick at the, the closest destination. Um, and the same thing, like you're going to see a lot of like, oh yeah, this guy has uh, a hangnail. So he's going to have to sit out a week. Uh, I hope Shea doesn't have to do that again because that's been ridiculous out in Oklahoma City, but he's probably going to have to do at least deal with some of that again. But no, I I think right now, like everyone's playing hard. There's there's this pesky thing called hope that everyone has in both the NHL and in the NBA. That'll get dragged out of you by uh, around Christmas time. It's like, I don't want to be here. Utah will fall off. Um, San Antonio will fall off. The, The big teams will stop losing to these teams. And then you'll see just some of the most atrocious NBA lineups and NHL lineups that you've ever seen in your life
1: or my nightmare scenario happens that the Lakers win the lottery and then the Pelicans pick swap them oh that's in
0: play that that is yeah. that that is very much in play right now um, if we're transitioning to
1: basketball they look so bad like yeah and like you know, it's really really, really weird, bad they're the number one defensive ranked team in the league hmm yeah I don't know if I would have I, I don't think I would have got that I I trust me as someone that's watched this team as closely as I have the last three games want to believe it, but Pat Bev adds into the level. They've had two leads where like the line they had yesterday, obviously not many people were watching that Laker game yesterday. They've seen the rush shots of no Russ. No. Um, they had the eight point lead in the blazers and defensively They were working with Troy Brown, GTA, uh, JTA and uh, Braun AD. And I believe it was Ken Nunn. And I was like, this is humming wings that can kind of shoot with a guard that can shoot Anthony Davis and LeBron. What a concept. Yeah. What a concept. Yeah. And then because of the ego side of things they brought Russ on and just whipped away. Uh, and I've yeah. said this many times, I'm not going to be the person that goes and says Westbrook and stuff like that. Cause I think that's not fair. I do think Russ is still a good player. He's a great human being he's just not a fit for this organization. It no. is, is that simple. I, I, I'm not here to bash Rush as a player. I do think there is a good player there, but just for what this team is, it just doesn't work. No, Zach Lowe
0: said it really well on his podcast. Um, I think it was late last week where he's like, like everyone talks about building a team around LeBron. If you have built a team around LeBron and LeBron is the best shooter on the floor, you have not successfully built a team yeah. around LeBron. And when you put Westbrook out there, that's kind of what's happening right now, right? And LeBron's pulling up from the logo to, to try to get anything going. And it's it's just, it's not working. It's just, it is not a fit. Russ doesn't want to be there anymore. I don't think the Lakers want him there anymore. I don't know if any of the players want him there. I wonder if Pat Bev was brought in specifically to make Russ even more, like, miserable so that he either demands a trade or just, like, yeah. fine, by me or whatever. Like, it's just, it, it is so, it's the word of the show so far. It's so toxic. Out, out there right now and just blowing that lead the way they did um, or blowing that opportunity the, the way they did with Russ shooting that. And oh, I was going for a two for one. Okay. Like it, it just, he seems so fed up and they seem so fed up with him. My, my question to you now as a Laker fan, do you think it's got to the point where it's worth those two draft picks attached to him just to get off of this? Cause the, if you're worried about this year, um, 27 and 29,
1: like, don't exactly shape up as banner years for this franchise right now. I, I look at myself as more of the um, calm side of this. I've tried to look no, Look, no number one. No one's going to feel for, sorry for us. We have won, as Laker fans, nine championships in 20 years. So if we hadn't done that, I think I'd be a lot more angry. It is frustrating watching <clears throat> this team and and do this. Uh, so, I'm not, I have no right to really throw a pity party after this because I've won nine championships. Well, my team is. Um, but as far as Laker fans go, the impatience has been there of like, just trade the picks, trade the picks, trade the picks, trade the picks. I'm like, I know it's the side of, I do not want to waste LeBron's prime, 38 <laughs> year old LeBron um, and in his prime right now. And boy, he's still killing it. And I don't want to waste that. But I also know that there is a future ahead for this team that does not have Anthony Davis and LeBron at in 27 and 29. They're not part of this organization. And, you know, that's a major piece that I, I do not think is worth Miles Bridge. not Miles Bridges, Miles Turner and Buddy Healed. I don't think that's worth it. I do not think no. it's worth it. I, I think we're in the shitty situation that we didn't want to be. We should be 2-1 and one right now. We should have won that Clipper game and we should have won last night. We needed to be in a position where we were sitting about 500 right after that December trade deadline uh, when the contracts get reactivated. If we were at that point, we would be sitting pretty because like you you hit perfectly, Peter, those teams that are going for Victor or Scoot, they're going to get in a desperation side of things. I've been like, man, we got Gordon Hayward. I don't want Gordon Hayward. Like he's getting buckets, man. Lori Market and Jordan Clarkson. Why are they helping us so much? Yeah. Oh, You know, what we could do, we could just get this Russ contract, get those shitty contracts off our books and just, you know, figure it out. You know what Lakers just give us a second. We don't care. We just need these good players off our team because we want to suck to get these top draft picks. But now as Shams was talking about today on the athletic, now we look like the, 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 the team that needs to make a trade now. And I I, I was in that impatient mode last night. I've calmed down a little bit more, but I was at a point last time. like, man, I don't even know if we can have him courted tomorrow. I don't know if it's acceptable for us to have him on the court with, we have Denver and Minnesota. And I think we have all these contender teams coming up here. This was the game you had to win to at least be one and two. And you had the jazz coming up that the jazz are going to be a tough out now because they have professionals on their team. And I think that's the one thing outside of LeBron and AD and Pat, you're missing a lot of professionals right now. So my long winded answer there is no, I still don't think you trade both picks. Because you yeah. have to look at the long-term side of things. Yeah, I'm sure LeBron is pissed off right now. I'm sure Anthony Davis is pissed off at the situation they're in. But as an organization, we need to look at the long-term. If this season is a bust, it's a bust. The, the only part that for us is frustrating is the pick swap. I just wish they that this was a year that we didn't have the pick owned, and I would feel a lot better about everything. Yeah. It's like, yeah, okay, whatever, we suck. Hey, if we got Victor or Scoot, how awesome would that be? That's a completely turnaround that It just would be a disaster to the fact of, I'll ask you this now. And I've been debating this. Of A few friends have asked me if this falls apart and that pick does end up being Victor Wamanyama, is the championship worth it? And I'm like, that is the first time with this trade. I do not have an answer.
0: Yeah. And, and it's like, because I, I do think a championship worth it, yes. Like, there never gets to a point where it, like, after a while, it's like okay, you have kind of lost the hey, we won a championship, you know. Um, like I said with the Canucks earlier, like you got to within a game with the Cup final. Yeah, it was eleven years ago. Let's maybe do something else here. Yeah. I, I still think a championship is worth it, but you look at, um, talking about like wasting LeBron. First year missed the playoffs. Then like hey, you got a bubble, that's fun. Uh, but then like barely like it. It's it just been a waste, right? Like there's been one good year with LeBron James so far. Yeah. Like it just seems like such an utter waste. And then you bring in AD. But even still with that, like, it's not AD's fault. It's kind of AD's fault, I guess. But it's not his fault that they traded for Russell Westbrook. You know, like, it it is not AD's fault that they have two off-seasons in a row blundered it up so much that any bit of identity they had from the championship before is completely gone. Like, could AD, would it be great if AD had stepped up into being like this top three player in the NBA that we all thought he could be? Yes, yes. That would have been spectacular. However, there are, I think, a number of different boxes that you check before you get to blaming Anthony Davis for the yeah. issues with the LA Lakers right now. It's the fact that they let like guys who are such an integral part of their identity in that championship with like Caruso and um kcp and all of those guys you let them go to bring in russell westbrook a guy who everyone the second that trade was made there wasn't anyone outside of the cars like, or, like it, it was fun and we've talked about it before it was great you got to bring up the the russell westbrook ucla jersey this is so cool russ is coming back home this is awesome from a basketball point didn't make sense was never yeah. going to be a fit hasn't been a fit um but I, I still think the trade was worth it. It's just what you've done around it that that has completely screwed this thing up to the point, like looking at the schedule now, um, like you said, Wednesday Bad. night against the Nuggets, Friday yeah. night at the Timberwolves, Sunday, Lost. your home Nuggets, and then next Lost. Wednesday, your home Pelicans. Loss. They're not going to be favored in any of those games. Then you nope. take on the Utah Jazz, and holy shit, if you lose to the Jazz. Um, like. But we're getting to a point now where it's like, who – can you objectively say the Lakers should be favored over right now? It ain't much. We is like, this team is thunder? a disaster
1: the way it's set up the thunder and the Spurs. I think that's about it. Yeah. It's about Basically, it. Yeah. Maybe the Hornets. Pick them against the jazz. Like yeah. they're just,
0: they're in such a bad spot. And it's like, like you said before, like no one is shedding any tears for, for, for Laker fans, you know, no. but at the same time, from just a basketball standpoint, I like it when AD is playing in important games and he's really good. Same I want to, I don't want LeBron James's tenure with the Lakers to be Michael Jordan with the Wizards. I, I don't I don't want that. And aside from one weird year in a bubble. Um, where admittedly it was set up perfectly for LeBron with like being able to rest and all that stuff, but everyone's in the same situation, yada, yada, yada. Um, but aside from one year in the bubble, this has basically been MJ on the wizards, you know, like it's kind of this footnote where it's like, oh yeah, if you have a LeBron Lakers jersey, that'll be fun thing to talk about in 20 years. Did it go well? No, but it's cool that it happened.
1: Yeah. And I mean, there's the other side too, of like the Lakers want to protect this cap room because the ideas and i'm gonna be in hell peter is to get Kyrie and draymond next year it's like yes that's the better choice yeah that'll go well uh and and i blame rob i think the worst thing that i've seen this offseason wasn't was was when rob got extended to 2026 because i'm like rob you have not put together a good basketball team in in this era like uh, like how how you do this offseason like okay we need shooters and wings shooters and wings you get one to get Anderson I'm like okay cool yeah that's kind of the guy the guy you want okay go get a shooter to get Troy Brown okay 29 30% 3 yeah he's a wing he's a wing okay cool 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 uh, Loney Walker oh, he's a wing shooting 25 okay i guess he's a wing but just the, the, the you look at the history of LeBron and the way that he gets double team passed out to the shooters this laker team With the wings they've had right now and with AD and LeBron, like they have not been bad defensively. And obviously the defensive rating shows it. And in games, I'm like, there is a core here that works. And that's why it's a point now. It's like, man, before it's too late, you got to pull the trigger on something. And today they're like, we're going to wait till Thanksgiving. I'm like, that's too late. That is too late. It's too late to figure it out. Because now you're looking at, there's these teams like the jazz. I mean, I still think they're going to tank for Victor, and their over under this season was ridiculous. It was 22. And you look at that Utah roster, that's why I bet the over. It's like, there's just too many professionals on this team. You know, of Lori Marketing, uh, uh, Rudy Gay, Conley, Beasley, Jordan Clarkson, uh, Colin Sexton. And it, it, there's just too many professionals on that team. And, and Simmons said it was um, with KOC the other day. This is the worst, worst um, three to 10 in the NBA. And I don't think it's even close. No. I, I, I don't not, know who the third best player is I do not know who the third best player is probably Patrick
0: Beverly probably um, who was just the like third or fourth best players on the Timberwolves last year yeah um and it's like Lonnie Walker I, I I saw that I watched the Clippers game I was like how many teams in the NBA is Lonnie Walker starting on right now
1: starting?
0: not many not that it not many
1: that is a great question that I do not have an answer to
0: yeah um and, and so it's just like th- this this is such a waste. And you're right. Like, I, I think perpetrator number one in all of this is the guy who got the extension in the offseason. I'm not talking about LeBron. Uh, I'm talking about Palenka. Like, it, it is... Uh, there are very few times where I'm like, it is 100% on that dude. It's 100% on that dude. I get, like, there's pressure with LeBron and there's outward pressure, da 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 da, da. But whoever has assembled this roster, it's on them. And the fact that Polinka got, got an extension either means that they had him at gunpoint making some of these moves or they just don't have a clue or he has some kind of spell on the, the bus family. Like it, it's yeah. just, it's crazy to me that you can fail so spectacularly when you look at that roster from two years ago, from that to today. And you're like, Oh yeah, let's reward that guy with an extension, which extensions and management positions in basketball and in sports mainly just mean how much more are we going to have to pay you when we eventually fire you? But still um, it, it's just, it's, it's crazy. And it's sad. Like, I just, I don't want this to be the last little bit of LeBron. I want the Clippers against the Lakers to be really fun. I want yeah. LeBron against Golden State in the Western conference final. Like Zach Lowe said the other day, opening night, you kind of had, like it was once the game started, it was like, Oh yeah, it's LeBron against the Warriors. Like this is, this is kind of a thing, but it's just it, the Lakers are, and I know I'm just aggressively shitting on your team, but the Lakers they deserve just, it. the the Lakers have just fallen off so much that it it doesn't have that same prestige. And you talk about shooting. I just remembered this. You look at the utter disdain Portland had for some of the shooters for the Lakers, AD gets a corner three and Nurkic just turns around Westbrook. They had Nurkic on Westbrook last night. And like someone, um, someone was trying to gotcha with a LeBron club, like everyone on West, Look at LeBron missing this shot. And it was an ISO three. It's like, yeah, because Nurkic had backed off basically into the paint, like doing that tiptoe thing that everyone does to not get a three second violation, because there's no way that he cares that Russell Westbrook is going to shoot this thing. Like it just, it changes how teams defend you. And it's, it's just, it is such a disaster right now it really hit me when uh, that Clipper game was going on and AD got banged up for a couple of minutes when he, he went oh up and then God, he fell. And it was, it, it was LeBron in the blowfish. And it was like, Oh my God, this is, and then LeBron went out. It's like, who is doing anything on this
1: team right now? I think it would help a little bit if the Pelicans still kind of sucked. And it's like, Hey, we lost Victor, but Hey, top five picks still cool. Like sucks to lose out on the generational guy, but we still have a lottery pick. That's, That helps, but the the Pels are going to be, well, now Zion got hurt again, so we'll see where that goes. I still think they're a really good team, but that part's right. And then the other thing, this, and I'll wrap it up, is the Lakers have said they don't want to, Shams has reported, the Lakers do not want to do a trade until Dennis Schroeder is back because they want to have a point guard when they trade from. It's like, you have a point. You have two point guards. You have Pat Bev and you have Kendrick Nunn, who have both played fine. That's no reason to wait for Dennis. Just do the trade
0: no that this thing is spiraling like right now you you like there there's very few times where i suggest panic 3 games into a season this yep. is
1: already panic time it looks so bad right now It's it's really hard for me as someone that you know calls so much basketball and to be like how am i watching u sport teams that are managed better than an nba team and do yeah. no disrespect to u sport or acac but it's just like it's just basic basketball that we're in this era that you know you have to have three point shooters on the floor, yeah. and how we don't have anyone that's a plus forty. The Taylor Horton Tucker piece too. Like the fact we just got Pat Bev out of that, and we had to give them Stanley Johnson. Like how we didn't walk away with at least Jordan Clarkson from that is ridiculous.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and like the THT was like the biggest trade chip, and oh no, we can't can't throw him in for Kyle Lowry um and you you look back on some of those like lebron or um sorry Demar was i forget what podcast where he was on where he's like yeah it was done it was a done, done deal him and
1: kyle it sounded like him yeah. and kyle
0: you you look at that alternate universe um and and how different life is now for like three now Lowry wasn't Kyle Lowry in capital letters last year but DeMar DeRozan was an MVP candidate for half
1: of the season remember when we turned um, down um, Kyle Lowry for THT because yeah that's who yeah. the Raptors really wanted and we said no we yeah. want THT remember when we let Alex Caruso just walk I, I I think the worst GM in sports the last two three years is Rob is Rob Palenka.
0: yeah at least of a the the worst GM on a team that was trying to win, um, yeah. but no, you're right. Like it's yeah, it's it like you just you go back and look at that title team in 2020 and just how quickly it fell apart, and then the, the gall to blame Frank Vogel, who's probably thrilled to get out of that hellhole yeah. after last year anyway. But like you have one of uh, I think the the better coaches in the league, and he can't get it to work, but he's the problem. Like get out
1: of here. Um, all right, we've talked about the shitty Lakers long enough. And again, no one <laughs> should feel sorry for any Laker fans, much like no one, we'll talk about baseball in a second, but like no one should feel sorry about Yankee fans. Real no. Laker fans and real Yankee fans need to understand the position they're in when they choose those teams. No one's yeah. going to feel sorry for you. As being a Laker fan growing up, I realize the stigma, everything that comes with being a Laker fan. And no one wants to hear about your shitty team all the time. But the drama with there is just too uh, tantalizing. Um, I guess the other thing to talk about right now, the Raptors are playing right now. They're looking a little bit better. They got off to a really fun game in Cleveland and struggling a little bit. They're winning right now. Um, I do see some really positive things with this Raptors team when they kind of click, all click together. And the one scary thing about the Raptors compared to any of the teams that I think can be contenders is the Raptors have the most trade pieces to do something scary. Yeah. Um,
0: they, I, I do think that they still have a need, like offensively, that they're still – there still needs to be a little bit more creation there, but you're right. Like that, yeah. there are trade chips galore with this team, and you have like, talking about the the worst GM job of the last couple of years. Yeah, y- you have an absolute wizard front office in the Toronto Raptors who are able to just pull a whole lot of stuff off. And like you, you hear all of the they're keeping a close eye on Shea Gilgis Alexander, um, and that situation out in Oklahoma City. Um, it, it, gives you confidence where in the past you heard about the Raptors. Oh, they're, they're looking to make a trade. It's like, great, fantastic. That's awesome. Can't, can't wait for Rudy Gay. Um, yeah. th- th- this is now a Raptor team that you trust in the front office and the, the building blocks are there. Like there's a reason why they were everyone's sexy. Hey, don't sleep on the Raptors. Um, well, why that was kind of the, the sexy thing to say among NBA experts this, off, uh, this off season there are still some holes that need to be addressed, but yeah, this is, this is a team that can be very, very dangerous, especially like Siakam looks really good to start. It looks not bad. Yeah. And that's another one getting just a gem out of the second round. Yeah. Um, and we'll see, like it's, it's two games into the season, but I mean, three games into the season and they've lost two of them. Um, their schedule to start the year is just bonkers. How tough it is though. You know, like you go, um, what was it? Cavs. Nets, Heat, Heat, Sixers, Sixers, Hawks to start the year. Yeah. Um and then there's a, a brief stint out west for a couple of games. Like some of those double headers, man. Yeah, Playing I don't Bulls know. It's like too. It's like they made this schedule um with the thought in mind that it might be difficult to pass back into the border uh across yeah. the border or something like that. So they might have mm, just been like, "Hey, let's try control. to get all this stuff out of the way." Early, So that maybe like things open up and now things have opened up and it it looks ridiculous, but um, no, I'm with you. I think Toronto that they have, they have a lot that they can play with, but there are still a couple of needs. I am stunned that they have come into the season with Banton and Malachi Flynn as the, the two backup point guard options right now. Um, I thought that there was a, a lot out there that you could try to address that situation with um that they they didn't and and so i'm a little surprised by that but i'm excited to see how porter eventually fits in with this team boucher back in the lineup tonight interested to see how all of these pieces fit with the raptors
1: uh a few other things number one this is one of the greatest rookie classes i've ever seen it's only three games and some of them are canadians which is like benedict Matherin is the mvp by the way it's not i, yeah. I know i think i had the mvp right now but just to watch what benedict Matherin is doing what Jaden has done, Keegan Murray uh, with with, uh, with the Kings right now. And by the way, Paulo is ridiculous. Yeah.
0: Well, like, it's kind of what we talked, like we, we went through the, the NHL there and it's like, oh, wow, there's a bunch of good teams. Every team basically has something to watch for, aside from the Jazz, who like right now are, are playing. They got fire. Dirk. What are you talking about? They got Dirk. <laughs> yeah um but like you look at like all of these teams like even the bad teams have exciting rookies like you talked about or exciting second year players where it's like yeah i i want i want to watch the orlando magic play because this team is really really interesting to me you know like i i want to see um what detroit does with cunningham and ivy um and, and how that all works out like that this this is the- this might be the most watchable the league has ever been because i mean you're gonna have some just atrocious tanking in the the back half of this season, like the the Spurs and probably the Thunder again and stuff like that. But you you have a lot of exciting young talent in this league. And like you said, the fact that it's 22 Canadians on on NBA rosters to start the year, I believe the normal one. Well, and Shaden Sharp,
1: I was told he was a year away. Right. he's doing great for Portland. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And like, you just, you look at um, the development of Canadian basketball and it's why uh, a, a couple of the, like, falling short in a couple of those tournaments is so, so, so infuriating because it does seem like we're on a, a soccer-esque trajectory right oh, now are we of, ever. of things really building. And even in our city this week with – or I guess technically last week with the, the Calgary surge yeah. um, being introduced, you know? Like we are we are at a point in basketball in this country where things are really starting to move, and it's so awesome to see that in the NBA, which is why it's annoying as hell that Oklahoma City still sucks, but whatever.
1: Yeah, well, the fact, too, that they have – two great Canadians on their team too, in Dort and SGA that just have to kind of hold back and wait. And you see these other Canadian talents that are like just balling out so much right now with Benedict Mathurin. He doesn't even, I think some people forget that he's Canadian too, just because he's such this cocky persona thinking that he's the best in the league and he kind of backs it up, but we knew this. I mean, I think we're seeing it more and more every year, like last year's class with Cade and Scotty and, and Evan, like that, and, and Josh Kitty, I could go on, so talented. And now, like, I just think the levels we're seeing, and even like in hockey, like last year, like a guy like Trevor Zegris, and, 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 you know, the, the, the rookie on Detroit that I'm forgetting his name right now, like they just, we're just seeing a different Joel Ottinger, what he was able to do, right? We're just seeing a different level of preparation and talent. And you get to see it a lot when you're doing stuff uh, at, at, for the Okatook Toilers and some of the other junior hockey teams you're seeing it. I see it calling ACAC and U Sport all the time, the talent and the preparation for some of these kids that you're seeing just another level. And you, and you talked about Calgary getting a basketball team with the, uh, the Canadian elite league and just the, the amount of uh, players that are going from that league to the NBA, the fact they're having U sport players go and play a year in that league and then going back into U sport and adding this whole other level of competition right now, the uh, the way that Canada is using their athletes right now is at a different level than it's been for the last 10 years. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um... And I think a part of it we
0: have hockey to thank a little bit because yeah. it's got so damn expensive to play hockey that yeah. people have gone into to other sports. Um, and we can get into why it's so expensive, but um, like there there has been kind of this exodus from hockey into other sports. Not that some of these guys would have been playing hockey otherwise, but because there's been this exodus in other sports, there's now more money into these other sports. And we we've seen now a couple, we, we've seen enough people break through whether it's, it's golf with um, like Hadwin and Brooke Henderson and then um, in soccer with the Canadian, the entire Canadian women's program plus Alfonso Davies and a couple of the other guys in basketball, like we had Steve Nash before. And now it's just kind of a regular thing that Canadians are just going to be very good. Andrew Wiggins was just on a championship team and an integral part of that, Um And like, he is just one of many now. Like we've had enough Canadians break through where they're starting to be this like, Oh, Hey, we can actually do this. This isn't just a hockey nation now. And it's as someone who likes hockey, but isn't as obsessed with it as some other people are. It's really great to see other sports being able to, to kind of get that spotlight.
1: Um, Any other kind of NBA notes that I didn't hit on. You want to hit on really quick before we move on here?
0: Um, I would just like to acknowledge that Philadelphia is Owen three. And I
1: love that very much. (laughs) Yeah everybody's preseason pick. Yeah. Oh, and so three. like, they like, I, like, I guess how short of a leash is there on doc? Like, Probably pretty short. Cause
0: uh-huh. the, the, this year is kind of desperation time, right? Like it's, I, it's I, gotta Bill go Simmons, well.
1: Bill Simmons had, a, had the best analogy uh, on this. And I, and the guys from no dunks kind of head on it too. This went from Joel Embiid's team to the Rockets. And yeah. that doesn't work. No.
0: No, it, it's such a weird fit. And it's it's like, again, talk about wasted potential. As much as it would pain me to see Philadelphia do well, it also sucks that Joel Embiid is just like out of the playoffs in the second round every year. You know, like he is a special talent. He is terrifying to, to have to cheer against. And for his career to be going this way, well, we we're worried about injuries and him not getting on the floor. Yeah. That hasn't been an issue the last couple of years. No. And it still has to matter. And, and again, it, it, it's poor management around. And again, everyone loves Daryl Morey um, and did a pretty good job this year, we thought. And it's still early, but it, it's it's not going well there, at least early on. Um, I, I think
1: they will turn it around. That's a good basketball team, but yeah. it's fun while it's not. Yeah, I mean, some of these teams, It's. I think we're starting to see a little bit more that the big three model is dead. And it's mm. about building team continuity. I mean, you look at some of the best teams in the league right now, and a lot of them are now built through the draft and team continuity with an extra trade, right? I look at what Boston's doing right now. Tatum, I, I was talking about this in our NBA pod. I thought he was a nice little you know, throw a bet at, not Sportsnet aggressively throwing bets at you. Of, I think Peter had the, the tweet of the week, by the way, when you're like, yeah, the Flames are this, but what are they going to do with the one and a half goals? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it's not um,
0: SN bets on everything or anything no. like that,
1: but yeah, no, but I, I think Tatum would be a nice, even still, like a nice little throw for MVP because I think the way that he's building, that like you you have Tatum and you have uh, Jalen there, but then you bring in a nice little piece like Malcolm Brogdon, right? You bring in nice little pieces there. What Milwaukee's able to do with bringing in Drew uh, at the end there, but I think it's better that you know you're seeing building your core and how that's working. what Denver's done what Golden State's done even what Minnesota's done now to bring it in. I think that's kind of the way that the NBA is starting to shift of that era of signing big free agents and bringing in that core. You have to build it organically because when you bring in all these talents that maybe don't gel as well, it's not going to work. And we're seeing with the Lakers. You're seeing that with Philly right now. Although I agree with you, I do think Philly will figure it out. And you're seeing it with Brooklyn. They do have Joe Harris and Seth out, but it just doesn't seem to fit. And I think a part of that too with Brooklyn is Ben? I'm going to give ten games to. I'm not here to bash on Ben yet. I'm giving him ten games to figure his stuff out. But Kyrie, I just think is not the same player anymore. Yeah, no,
0: I, I would agree that entirely. Um, and, and you're right. Like you, you look at the the, the last few years, um, right? Like last year with Golden State, obviously. There's continuity there. And they've smartly added with with guys like Wiggins and then um, different guys like Poole stepping up and and all of that. You look at uh, Milwaukee the year before that. Where it's like, again, you bring in Drew Holiday, but you you have a core that that has been there for a while. The Lakers are obviously an exception, but that was an exceptional circumstance of that year. Not that they wouldn't have won it if it was not a bubble anyway, but that that was still a a weird year. The Raptors, while they do go out and hire the assassin of of Kawhi Leonard and then a couple of other ones with Marc Gasol... Um, and, and Danny Green, the, there was a main core that was built in a yeah. main identity that was built. And then you get into the, the Warriors and the, the Cavaliers and stuff like that. Like, it's been a while since just going out and just building your team through free agency has actually worked. Like you said, it is building a foundation and then adding that one piece to take you over the top, adding that holiday, um, adding a Chris Paul in, in Phoenix's... Yeah case where that ended up working out adding uh, a pool or a wiggins or a, a kevin durant i guess yeah. um if we go back far enough like you have to have that foundation built it's not just yeah we're going to get a bunch of expiring contracts and then get the best free agent and then a bunch of expiring contracts and get the next best free agent and hope that being the new york knicks or being new york knicks adjacent is going to work um as we're, we're seeing right now yeah. in the, the state of new york
1: uh shifting to the nfl after this big trade Man, Peter, our division is so good, right? The AFC West, it's the craziest (laughs) division. Everyone knew it was going to be so good. It's killing it. Man, what a disaster. I,
0: for the life of me, like I I had a, a, I didn't think Denver would be this bad um, and it's been poorly mismanaged. But if you would have told me coming in at the start of the season, Denver's a two and five, I'd be like, that's not out of the realm of possibilities. Russ kind of sucked last year and now it's kind of fallen off. The Raiders, we talked about it. Like there was all this hope that, hey, maybe they'll get this guy. They came in second on a lot of dudes, and then you look at the roster on Madden, and oh, this is kind of flawed here. But they're starting to figure things out. I cannot, re- like, a- in any reasonable way, explain to you how the LA Chargers are a four and three football team.
1: I, I can't. I, 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 I just. And I that's can. not. I- it's 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 going to get bad. And now JC Jackson's hurt, and it seems like Mike yeah. Williams may be out too. So,
0: yeah. Like, you have Justin Herbert, who admittedly, uh, like, there was a time a couple, like, over the last couple of years where it looked like it would be, like, Mahomes, Allen, and Herbert as the, this next group. I think Herbert's taken a bit of a step back this year. I don't think yeah. they're coached well, but he also doesn't look like the, the same dynamic guy. Um, but you you have the additions on defense. Yes, Jackson goes down with an injury. That was yesterday that wasn't the first few weeks of the season like that this team has been just so average with a lot of exceptional talent like I I I don't know what's going on in LA the only thing you can point to is poor coaching and I I think there has been some of that for sure
1: there's three bad coaches in this division make no mistake about it there's three bad ones our coach is bad yeah. he's just getting overshadowed by how bad Staley and Hackett are but and, yeah. and the Bronco theme is the worst because their pick is going to go to Seattle, which makes this a lot worse of a trade. But make no mistakes about it. For the first good hour and a half yesterday, I had a, I resisted a fire Josh McDaniel tweet.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a little bit rough. And then Josh Jacobs was Bo Jackson for about 45 minutes and yeah. everyone was off the ledge. But yeah, I was like, are we? We're really going to lose to the Texans. Like, I they, they flashed the thing at the bottom because it, it hasn't felt that bad with the Raiders, right? Like, they've been in every game, they, they've just lost. We, at sh- the we end could
1: be undefeated, we really yeah, could be defeated totally. The frustrating would would the they team. be a better coach?
0: They'd have a winning record, but then yeah. they flashed it in the bottom, and the, the Raiders had a worse record than the Texans. It's like, oh, holy shit, we have a worse record than the Texans. Um, but no, like, it, it's the, this division is bad that, like, there's a ton of talent. Um, if you were just like fantasy drafting talent uh, of all of them like the AFC West team would be really freaking good but like all this talk of four playoff teams there might be one like it might be Kansas City and that's it which would be a waste of a year for Justin Herbert and the Chargers um but aside from that like the Raiders don't seem like a playoff team Denver sure as shit doesn't seem like We just have like an easy
1: schedule team. that's the thing that's going to help us out I mean the Raiders yeah. have this six game schedule if you're a Raider fan everyone knows this and Pat McAfee talked about this too they they had this sixteen of Texans, Saints, Jakes, Colts, Broncos, Seahawks were part of that. And now I think that's more difficult now. But those are all you got to win these games. Yeah. And then now the Chargers, Rams, Patriots, Steelers, Niners, Char- uh, Chiefs. Come, I'm like, that's not such a bad schedule. No. So the Raiders are still in a situation. They're more or less healthy. Waller injury sucks, but Foster Monroe is a good backup tight end. My only concern with watching the Raiders yesterday and with the trade deadline looming is number one, why have we not signed Adamic Sue? It's, we need that defensive tackle. Why yeah. haven't we done that? Nate Hobbs breaking his hand. Man, that was shown yesterday, Peter.
0: That secondary is
1: leaky. Man, yeah. that there were dudes I'd
0: never heard of who are torching the Raiders. Harmon gets
1: hands. the interception. I'm like, yeah, Harmon. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: and, and like it, it was oh, it was bad. Um, and like the, the offensive line has played better, but it, it's still not great. Like Getting Devonte Adams was fun, and I, I would rather have Devonte Adams than yeah. not have Devonte Adams. But there are moves that you then have to make if you are going to be that team. If you are giving up first-round picks to go out and get that dude, you have to then go out and get other dudes. Like I can't Harry, just be
1: Gardner. Like all the all the secondary guys that went to Philly, we should have got one of them. Yes, yeah. Every week we came on here, it's like, hey, the
0: Raiders are on Tyron Matthew. Hey, yeah. the Raiders turn on this guy hey the Raiders are in on that guy it's like yeah this is going to be great and then they didn't get any of them it's like oh my god this team sucks like I I I think I told you about this I I said it somewhere um I bought the the new Madden game because coach you know Madden's on the cover um I've got the new Madden game I put the team on I was like oh my god This team's really bad. And sometimes they, they judge a little bit harshly on that game, but like the offensive line is full of guys in just like the sixties and the seventies. And it's same with the secondary. Like there, there's just that there's nothing with this team right now, especially defensively. Like Max Crosby is a beast. Um, Chandler Jones hasn't been as noticeable as I would like him to be in the the first little bit. Same with Perryman. Like there's been a bunch of guys who were great a few years ago that aren't really stepping up. Like there's just, there is too many holes on this team. You're right. There's a lot of holes in the schedule right now, but you go through like the saints aren't as, easy of an, an out as they were a little bit like as we thought they yeah. were going to be i still don't think the jags are now the colts definitely are the colts benching matt ryan that they are going to be not great um yeah. and then the broncos aren't as tough as they seem to be but then the seahawks might be a bit better than they we thought like th- this isn't a gimme schedule but if you want to be a playoff team which this team definitely made noise that they yeah. wanted to be a playoff team this year you you still even at 2 and 4 with this schedule should go 10 and 7 if you're a playoff team yeah. if you're not then
1: who knows what happens with this team next year, right? Yeah, I don't see losses out of any of those games really acceptable. Like you, Even the Saints one I think is unacceptable. Yeah. Um, but we've talked too long about that bad team. Um, I, I, it's weird because there, there's just – I feel like there's the Bills and then there's just kind of everybody else. Because Philly, I'm still not – hun- I don't know where you are in Philly. I'm still not re- ready to 100% trust – what this Philly team is, really anyone in the NFC. I don't know what yeah. to make the NFC. But to me right now, there's Buffalo. And it, it's kind of everybody. It's, it's that classic bet of Buffalo versus the field. What are you picking? I'm right. like, I'm picking Buffalo.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's Buffalo and then a gap. And then there's Kansas City and then there's a gap. And then, like, I, I, I had this talk with a, a buddy yesterday. Because he was like, anyone putting Philadelphia in the top five is crazy. I was like, I hear you. Who else? Like I on my my Wednesday shows now, I've started to do NFL power rankings and and ranking all thirty two teams. After two at Kansas City, it's kind of interchangeable because I don't I, I I'm not buying what the Jets are or the what the or what the Jets are selling or the Giants or the Vikings. The Ravens should be good, but I'm going to need to see it at least once. The Rams are a bit of a disaster. Cincinnati's kind of figuring things out, but I'm going to need you to beat a good team. Like there's just. There's no one right now where it's like, oh, yeah, that's the, th- the third best team in the league. That's the fourth best team in the league. I know who it should be. It should be the Chargers. It should be the 49ers. It should be the Rams. But it's not because no one's playing well. There's like two or three really good teams at the top. And then there's like three or four really bad teams at the, the bottom. And then the rest of it is just kind of there, you know?
1: And then out of all those teams that are people are are shocked about, the one team I'm not is Seattle. It's just when you have an institution like that, and that's why when they're over under was three, I'm like, this is a joke.
0: Mm-hmm. Like I
1: know they lost Russ, but I you know, being out in, in this part of Western Canada, we are, we see a lot of Seahawks games. So I've seen a we you and I and everyone that was at it, we've seen a lot of Russ the last few years, and he was not good. No, I I, I didn't know what this conception was where it's like. They got – I'm like, Russ was not that for the Seahawks a few years ago. And they had a really good draft class. Not as good as this Jets draft class, but right. one of the best ones with having Woolen and Kobe Bryant right now back in that secondary with they had on the O-line and Kenneth Walker, who if you got him in Ooh. fantasy like I was lucky enough to have, uh, he's already a top five running back right now. Uh, they faced the Giants this week, and they're favored by three, and I don't think that should be surprised. All of a sudden, that's a big game this week that nobody thought at the end of the year. I, I like them, but like, like you said too, when you go to the rankings, I don't know. I mean, I would probably put Dallas there because of what that defense is with Micah and everyone. And they looked a li- very shaky in that Detroit game the other day. Like I wasn't fully paying attention to that game, but whenever I looked at it, it was like, okay, Detroit is bad now. Like I think the, the hard knocks glamor is off and the Dan Campbell glamor that we all had is off now. And it's like, you guys should be killing this team by more. Dak is back and all that. And that game was a little bit dice, but right now gun to my head right now, Peter, I think that's my super bowl. I think it's bills and Cowboys. Wow. little old school. Uh Um, I I can see that. I just, yeah, I, I just,
0: I, I can't put, um Dallas ahead of Philadelphia right now like yeah. I just I, oh, I think yeah, I Philadelphia it. just because like the, the offensive line is so good it is. um and and it does seem like Hertz has kind of figured out how to be more than than just a runner like I think for a thousand years now people are gonna be well Josh Allen look at the step he took like th- th- that's gonna be an excuse for everyone forever um, but I, I think if anyone can be used as like, like, hey, this guy is taking a Josh Allen-esque step. It's not to like league dominance like Allen was, but Hurts has taken something similar to that. And you have talented piece, pieces around him. That defense is good. Like the, the, the Eagles, I, I think, are just a bit more of a complete team. But if you want to talk about who the fourth best team in the league is, I think the Cowboys do probably have to be there. Yeah.
1: And then we got to talk about the Packers and the Bucks.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Just a disaster. They ruined Absolute my parlay. Disaster. All my
1: parlays, Aaron Rodgers, you ruined me. So close to glory yesterday, Man. Rodgers. I, it, 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 I I think a bit of it you, for Rodgers, I, I was asked this question yesterday, and I'll ask you, Peter, who has it worse right now, Rodgers or Brady? And I did say Rodgers is a little bit more excusable because he doesn't have anyone to throw to. At least Brady has Godwin and Mike Evans. Yeah. No, I agree with that entirely. Um, and I, I still think Tampa Bay will kind of
0: figure it out, you know, like yes. that they're still going to make the playoffs, that they're still going to By get default. there. We, we've gone, yeah, we, we've we've gone through this with Tom Brady teams before, right? Like we, we've written them off and then at some point a, a switch gets flipped. Now we've never done it with 45-year-old probably going through a divorce Tom Brady, yes. um, but we, we have gone through this before and th- this is still with a couple of obvious exceptions, that this is still a very similar team to one that he won a Super Bowl with. This looks nothing like what Aaron Rodgers has had to deal with before. And now all of a sudden, holding onto the ball for 10 seconds in the pocket and just waiting for Devontae Adams to look kind of open before you throw it up to him in desperation doesn't work anymore because there's like two other guys in the league who can do that and you don't have them. There needs to be more rhythm to this offense. There needs to be, hey, this is when the ball is supposed to get out. Not Aaron Rodgers is improvising and figuring it out because he's getting killed right now because he doesn't have one of the best receivers in the league. I'm not saying that Rodgers' success is because of receivers or anything like that. He is one of the most talented quarterbacks I've ever seen in my entire life. But this 2022 version of Aaron Rodgers who holds onto the ball for forever is not going to work with this offense that they have.
1: And they, I mean, it's it kind of I looked at them and I'm like, if I was uh, the Packers, I'm like, we're going to watch this Raider and Texans game. What are they doing? Well, they have Devontae. No, no, don't focus on that. What are they yeah. doing? They have a back that's very, very good. Let's just do that. Because that's what yeah. we all thought they were going to do is just run it with Jones and Dylan down everyone's throat. And then play action would kill you time to time because Rodgers is still a good quarterback
0: yeah Dylan's done nothing like nothing for it for a team so desperate for weapons you have one that you're just not using like that that is to me a failure of the system and I get that there aren't a whole lot of playbooks that have two backs in it figure it out like you you knew for a bit it's not like uh Devonta Adams got traded on the eve of the regular season it was before the draft you had the entire time to try to get this figured out because you're you're splitting time with your two most talented offensive players right now. And it's showing with what is it, two and four, two and five record? Like they are, they are a disaster. And that defense should not have had that much difficulty stopping the, the, the Washington commanders.
1: No, it's, there's just a lot of bad NFL teams this year. Um, two of them are yeah. playing right now, despite what Bill Simmons thinks about his Patriots. And I think that's kind of showing right now because as we're live right now, the Bears are beating the Pats 10 to nothing, which oh, I beautiful. really love a lot because I just need Simmons to be brought down a peg from and and quiet down about him thinking this Patriots team as a top level team, which it's not. Yeah, It is not a top level team. Uh, So I'm really glad that that's happening, but like, it's just hard to trust teams. I mean, I'm at a level this week now. I think I will just not do any more parlays anymore (laughs) because I just, I don't know who to trust anymore. I just, there's, and I and I get that's the part of gambling and, and everything like that. But it's been a w- a week a weekly ritual for me as long as I've watched football. But it's just like I can't trust this Ravens team. I, I I can't trust them. I can't trust Tennessee. I don't know what this Jets team is. I don't know what this Dolphins team is. Even some of the teams at the bottom. I don't know what the hell the Steelers are. Yeah. Right? Like I I don't like I don't know it, what the Colts are now. Like it's yeah. Sometimes it,
0: it feels like a bit of a sucker bet. I, I've started to go even though the odds aren't great, I have started to go a few more money line ones where it's like, That's I don't want to worry about this team winning by any amount. I just want them to win. I yeah. don't like just, but even that would have screwed up with the green Bay um, last week, but no, you're right. Like, it's just, this is, this is going to be such an interesting season the rest of the way, because you're going to have some weird ass teams make the playoffs. And also, and I think the part that is even more interesting to me, you're going to have some weird ass teams not make the playoffs and have high draft picks where quarterbacks would normally be going, and you're going to have a lot of uncomfortable questions to answer um, if you are some of those bottom teams right now to, to try to figure out what you do at the quarterback position um, if you are a, a team that kind of falls off a little bit here. Like, I don't think Arizona is that good. I don't know if they're winning many more than the three that they have already. Yeah. Like I, I think that Thursday night, like, congratulations, you beat up on the Saints. Um, but th- this team still has some major, major issues. And if Hopkins fixes them all, then that's great. But if Arizona is down toward the bottom of the draft where uh, a quarterback should be taken, like that, there's no way they can do that again, can they? But, I mean, you just spent this much money on Kyler Murray. Like it just – I think this is – because the season is so weird, you're going to have a lot of
1: unconventional decisions made. Just looking at the draft order right now since you brought it up. So Detroit's number one, I would assume if they – CJ Stroud was the favorite obviously yeah. to, to get it. But if you're Detroit, you're going to look at Bryce young and know the connection he has with Jamison. And that's going to play, I'm sure a factor into potentially taking Bryce young. Number one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that would be like, that one seems like they, they have to go quarterback there, right? Like that one, yeah. that would you have to, William, but,
1: William Jackson is really good.
0: Yeah. Like lions probably go quarterback. Texans probably go quarterback. I am so interested in what this is because they're three right now. The Steelers are three. They just went quarterback in the last draft and it doesn't look like he's very good. Um, I I think if you put Kenny Pickett back in this year's draft, he'd be like the sixth quarterback off of the board. I I would be very interested at what Pittsburgh would do. Do you build around
1: the kid or do you just like, yeah, this probably wasn't a great idea and go on to someone else. I think you got, I mean, the the more interesting thing, Peter, is in the top six uh, by the draft order is there's picks for Philly. Texans have another one because that mm-hmm. Cleveland of what Watson is. And then Seattle. And so Seattle, they can just hope the Denver chokes, if they get a pick in the top four, they can take Strahd, they can take Bryce. I think there's that Kentucky kid. They can just let him sit. Yeah. Do your thing. We could trade Drew Luck for another random pick. And you can just be behind Gino. It's the perfect scenario for any Seattle fan for what they could have wished. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and then all of a sudden you're set up for years and years and years to come like it's yeah that, that that is best case scenario you're right. that would be oh that would be I I like it when Seattle's good. I know a lot of people found like the, the 12 the, anyone who's wearing a, a fan jersey with number 12 on the back like you, you're the worst kind of person not literally but yeah I, I just I have no time for you. but uh, aside from that, I like it when Seattle is good. So the yeah. fact that this whole thing is blown up in Russell Wilson's
1: face and more specifically in the Denver Broncos face is just a beautiful thing. It, it has to say something about your team as Detroit. Like I, I, you and I talked about this, about the Pistons and the Lions in the summer, but man, you're in the lottery again. Yeah. This far down, there was so much optimism on your season. Last year, you had the most like barely lost games, but there was a sense of hope. And I think a lot of people are like, hey, that's a frisky team. And now you're one in five. And I guess you're happy to maybe get CJ Strahd, but there was a breakdown I, I saw in the Athletic um, this morning of quarterbacks drafted the last 10 years in the first round. And it's not as good of a boom that you really think it is. And even yeah. just looking at this draft class from two years ago that we thought this is a renaissance of quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence is not what we thought he was going to be. Uh, Zach Wilson is, is is fine. And Mac Jones is losing to a really bad Chicago team right now. And the quarterback that he's playing is Justin Fields, who can't say I've been very impressed with him either. No even going back to like
0: that big draft class where it was like it's baker mayfield or is it yeah. sam darnold or is it josh allen it it was one of them you know yeah. Like two of them are on the same team and they're getting passed over for a dude who was in the xfl an hour ago like it, it this is and it's kind of part of a bigger thing the nfl is actually really bad at developing quarterbacks their way yeah. of developing quarterbacks is just take a thousand of them and one of them Will hit, you know, like that, that's, it's just like, keep, keep loading up, keep loading up on lottery tickets. There's no developing any of these kids. And then when you do finally get one who was able to sit for a little bit and finally able to to get out there, like Kenny Pickett shouldn't have touched the field this year. There's no way he should have touched the field this year. Wasn't ready. Um, kind of let these kids develop. They don't, there's this rush to get them out there because we think now, because Russell Wilson won won one Bowl with Seattle, that the best way to build a championship team is have your quarterback on an entry-level contract and just fill the rest around him. So who cares how bad the quarterback is? We'll get another one in four years. And now we're in this spot. Again, you, you look at the league where there's just barely any good teams because so many have screwed up on drafting and developing um quarterbacks right like you just obviously when, when we look at the the worst teams in the league like there was there was a failure there in Houston that is a bit beyond um just the on the field stuff with the quarterback but Detroit Lions never got Stafford to to where they they needed to to yeah. really get him to Carolina has perpetually failed at that Denver perpetually failed at that like you just go on down the line Washingtons needed a quarterback forever and I would say they still need a quarterback who was the last good Washington quarterback That rookie season RG3? Yeah, probably. Um, There might have been one year of Kirk Cousins in there where he was all right. Before that. Jason Campbell for a second.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Right? Like, it's been bad in Washington for a long time. (laughs) Doug
1: Williams, their last quarterback?
0: Yeah. Like, well, now now I'm going to Google Washington – and that's
1: why it was funny yesterday at our Raiders everyone's like everyone that has that has a problem with Carr here was our quarterbacks before Carr and yeah. I was like yeah you know Carr who passed Steve Young yesterday to become 40th all-time and pass and I'm like you know up and down with Carr times but hey man we had to deal with Bruce Gradkowski and Rick Meyer and Terry Asasopo. Yeah. Jason Campbell was in there all right here we go Washington football
0: um, oh my quarterbacks over the last little while This year, Carson Wentz. Last year, Taylor Heineke. I'm just going with quarterbacks who made the most starts. Um, Year before that, it was Alex Smith for six games, Dwayne Haskins for six games. Um, 2019, Case Keenum and Dwayne Haskins. 2018, Alex Smith. uh, Three years of Kirk Cousins. Then three years of RG3. And then before that, Rex Grossman. Donovan McNabb. Right, um, Jason Campbell for three years, Mark Brunel for three years, Mark Patrick no. Ramsey, someone named Shane Matthews who could come up to me on the street, introduce themselves as hi, I'm Shane Matthews, and I still would have no idea who that human being was. Uh, and then Tony Banks, Brad Johnson, and now we're into 1999.
1: Tony Banks, he played yeah. for Baltimore, I believe, on their expansion team, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Two years wow. of Brad
0: Johnson, one year of Trent Green, which I think he forgets. Uh, Gus Farrat for three years, <laughs> Heath Schuler, and then Mark Rippon had a pretty good run, and there was um, yep. Doug Williams in there, as we said. So it's been a minute for Washington football
1: and their quarterbacks. And by the way, um, the patch just pulled Mac Jones for Billy Zappi. Oh, good. Oh, love me a good quarterback controversy. Yeah, Zap Attack started in here. And again, yeah. I just go to my Raider fans to bitch about Derek Carr. That's why Derek Carr is a decent choice a quarterback right now. Oh yeah, look that, at that, that, that
0: is not an inspiring journey if we wanted to do that with the Raiders. Uh, just one last one before we move, move finish off here. I need the Colts. Oh, the Indianapolis Colts. Well,
1: the Colts had Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck for a bit. So
0: that one's not going to be as dreadful.
1: But since then, I, I think the list, since then, it's since Luck, let me see if I can get this right um we have obviously got phil rivers matt ryan carson wentz uh we got a jacoby in there yeah and i'm, I'm, I'm missing i think two
0: nope no i uh, brian hoyer made a start and that was oh, it Brian
1: hoyer made a start
0: okay um but yeah like you look at it like those guys you mentioned ryan wentz rivers Brissett, andrew luck misses a year so it's Brissett. um and then andrew luck again misses another year it's matt hasselbeck um three years of Andrew Luck Curtis Painter right um and then you get into a a pretty good run of Peyton Manning before that it was Jim Harbaugh for
1: four years uh and Jeff George for four years yep Jeff George just Vikings Colts and Raider legend on all those little video games you play Jeff George will be on one of those three teams
0: oh yeah yeah and he'll be about an 80 overall every time was never never amazing but uh never truly awful
1: uh, we're about to wrap up just really quick on the World Series here. Um, before I get to the World Series, just a quick Jays thing, because I haven't heard uh, your your side on, on – you and I have shared in the same identity of having – with 48 hours of having two teams lose because guys crashed into each other. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, that Blue Jays loss was just so debilitating, like just yeah. so defeating. Um, I was actually at a buddy's wedding. Um, while like the game was on and then we went, they did a a cake cutting ceremony immediately after like the, the I do's and all of that. And I had the game on my phone. It's like eight to one. I was like, okay, I can relax. Put the phone away. We go back to our room waiting for like the big reception that night. And we're just watching this game slowly bleed away from the blue Jays. And then that play happens where it's the crash out in the outfield. And then the season's over. Like, it's just, it was just, It was that quick. Um, And like, it's, I don't think you can really blame any one person. Like Snyder should have managed the bullpen better. Um, And like, there's like Romano giving up different things in different spots and everything like that. Umpires missing calls, but that's still like, uh, I think it was Ben Nicholson Smith. It was a 75% chance that George Springer was going to make that catch. It's just Bo Bichette being Bo and being yeah. aggressive and trying to make a play. And he kind of got in the way on that one and it ends up falling in and it is too bad. And now this one, it does feel like it can go two different ways. It can either go the, the way of like, th- this is a loss that galvanizes the team and it's never going to happen again. And that, that is just uh, a mere blip on the radar, like losing to the, the twins and the A's was for the, the early nineties blue Jays, or this is going to be goings going out there and dropping a ball when Bautista had a chance at it and the Blue Jays lose to the Royals. And then the next year, they can't get a hit against Cleveland. And then that this fun time is over for the Jays. Like it does, it does feel like that there's kind of a fork in the road thing with this Blue Jays team right now. And I know I'm kind of rambling, but um, on the podcast I was talking about, this going to come on a little bit later. I thought that this ALCS was so interesting to watch from a Blue Jays standpoint, because you have on one side, the New York Yankees, and they had the Baby Bombers. It was 2017. They have Judge. They have Gary Sanchez. Glaber Torres is going to be can't miss. Clint Frazier. How the hell did they get Clint Frazier in this whole thing? Miguel Andujar is going to be amazing. Yeah, this team lost in seven. They're ahead of schedule. They'll be back. It's now five years. You went from losing in seven to losing in four to the Astros. So just having a good young team guarantees you nothing. On the other side of it, You have the Houston Astros who are going to their second straight World Series out of their sixth straight American League Championship Series. We can talk about how they got to some of those, but I think some of that does get quieted because this team is still really damn good. Great farm system. Yeah, exactly. You are seeing two ways of building around a young team. One that has got them further than the Blue Jays did, I will admit that, but has fallen short of expectations for five years now. And then you have the other one on the Astros side where it's gone perfectly for almost a decade. It was so interesting to watch that, knowing what the Blue Jays have in store for them the next couple of years.
1: Yeah. I I don't want to talk too much about the Yanks, but I think the interesting thing now will be the judge off the, the the two free agents to watch. And I think it affects the AL East the most is the Otani stuff. Yeah. And obviously the Jays stuff with Otani got mixed up today. There was a report that they will trade everyone, but Alex Manoa. And I'm like, surely they want to trade Vladdy. He's like, Nope, they would trade Vladdy. I'm like, I still don't think they would, No, but um, it was like, wow, that shows where Manoa is on everything right now. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't know if this team is, you know, needs autonomy. This team, the Jays just need better pitching. It, it comes yeah. down to that. Uh, they, they need to figure out the pitching side. I think this team is still a world series level team. It's just, they fell into a great story in the Mariners and they had some bad pitching. I think it's as simple as that. It's a team that can figure stuff out, but it's how well they do everything. And with the Yankees, if the rumors are true and Judge goes to the Dodgers, I mean, we, we saw what happened with the Dodgers this year. You know, we win all those. I, I agree with Bill Simmons and some others. I don't think it's really fair that you win this many games and you're out that fast. I think it needs to maybe be a little bit something different, but they're like, yeah, like the, the report was like, Dodgers considering Judge may, uh, maybe Mookie to DH or into the infield. It's like, oh, that seems like an okay problem to have.
0: Yeah. Yeah, try, trying to figure out where to put a couple of MVPs would be quite the thing. I, I I think the real interesting one, and I'm not breaking any news here or anything like that, but I think the Mets are going to be so fascinating to watch in all of this because that was such an unsatisfying end to their season. Yeah, And they have an owner who is going to spend. And I don't know if Judge is going to go to the Mets,
1: wow. but the
0: contract offer he gets from the Mets is going to be ridiculous. They, they are probably... All the other young kids aside, um, they are probably going to offer Judge the largest contract in the history of Major League Baseball. That would be my prediction, is that's what the the Mets end up doing. I don't know if he signs there. Um, The the Dodgers would be quite the team. I I think the Giants are kind of lurking in this thing as well because they've kind of hung around being good for a bit and then just haven't spent any of the money. And They they are a team with money. He may want to go back to. Right, exactly. Um, and like, I still think the most likely scenario is he ends up a Yankee. I do um, too, Like yeah. the, the Yankees, for, for all that they have done here in the last little bit, they don't lose guys they don't want to lose, right? Like that that's never been the thing, that they they pay their dues. The problem is this team still needs to get better. Um, like there, there, is, there are obvious holes on this team. And I, I think that because the Yankees aren't the Yankees of old, that there is like a, a roof that they will get to where they aren't going to spend above that. And I think Judge takes them right to that. They're going to have to bank on like guys like Peraza and some of these other young guys taking steps forward like Peña did for the Astros to get them to the World Series. That I, I think that the Yankees are going to have to kind of rely on that because I don't know how active they're going to be this offseason, aside from trying to keep Judge.
1: Yeah, I mean, you talked about how big it could be from the Mets. I, I think we're looking at the fact with Judge. I think this is potential to be the biggest sports contract in North American sports history. Could be.
0: Could be. And like, he's, he's earned it based off of this season and it'd be fun to have him on the blue Jays. I don't want to be paying that guy that, that amount of money, you know, like I just, he he has stayed healthy for one year, right? Like it's, it's been one season where he has been able to stay healthy like that. And aside from that, there have been a few times where he's been banged up heck of a ball player when he's healthy. We, we yeah. saw this year, what he can do in a full in 62, but I, I would have very, I would have very big concerns about a dude that big breaking down over 162 games and 10
1: years. We just saw it with Zion again, like I mentioned, right? Yeah, saw it with Zion. He's already hurt again. Played so great to start off with, but there has to be that concern in the back of your mind uh, before I get to my last point. Billy Zappi came down, boom, touchdown as Mac Jones got for that. Yeah. Yeah, we're uh, on to that in New England. So that'll be interesting to fall. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun World Series. You know, obviously, the I, I think your tweet was perfect again yesterday, too, as I continue to promote your Twitter. Um, of eviler, uh, Evil beating Eviler was a perfect side. And this Phillies team, it was f- funny. I don't know if you remember. I'm sure you do. There was the Jays series we had against Philly. And it was a really tense, I think it was extra innings game. And it was the first time I had some concerns about Romano this season. Because mm. it just seemed the moment and the fans and everything was like a little bit much for him. And I'm like, that's, and we blew the lead when he came in as like Romano's in and we're going to end it. And he blew that game to Philly and Philly was on the desperation side, trying to make the playoffs. And it's like, that, that kind of worries me about Romano. But then remember looking at that Philly lineup. I'm like, man, Kelly Schwarber and Bryce Harper. And you can go down the list. I'm like, this is a nice little lineup. Like this is a team that's going to be a sneaky playoff team.
0: The, the the issue that everyone had with them was that they can't defend worth a lick. Nope. Um, and I th- thought they were such an interesting team this year for this new era of baseball where... Balls are just put in play less, you know, like there's, there's more home runs, there's more strikeouts, there's more walks, like it's just, it's become a real three true outcomes lead, league. So I was interested to see how a team who really couldn't defend was going to handle that. And now I don't think this means everyone punt on defense, put Alejandro Kirk at shortstop and go on your (laughs) way. But I do think that it's interesting. And it's something I say a lot. There's more than one way to win in this league. Um, and in every league, really. And the Phillies are just doing it by hitting the bejesus out of the ball. And now they're facing an Astros team that does it by way, like they, they got some they got some guys with pop, but this is an extremely deep pitching staff. Like that that Mariners game where they went 18, eventually when you go 18, you run into guys who are like, okay, this is where it's going to be. There was no let up from Houston for 18 innings. It was crazy to see. This is going to be such a fun matchup. But no, this Phillies team, that this lineup, when they get going, it is scary. Schwarber, that home run he hit off of Darvish still hasn't come down. Um, and it's, it, it really is... Uh, Kind of like, I don't want to say dating myself because I barely remember this. I just know this from reading and watching documentaries and stuff. This really is like the Phillies team of 93, where it was just kind of a a group that was thrown together. um, That that team looking at where they all have ended up doesn't age very well. But at the time, it was just like a lovable bunch of like blue collar dudes who just go out and smack dingers. Um, and that that's kind of what this team is now, where where it's just like th- this wild group that's just going to hit a whole bunch of home runs. It's got this Philly crowd into it. Philly sports is alive right now, again, aside from the 76ers who are winning tonight. But yeah. um, aside from that, it's been a great, great, great few months of Philadelphia sports. And I th- those crowds in games three, four and five are going to be something. Who do you got? I have Astros. Um, yeah, I do too. I, I think the Astros, I do think it'll be in six. Like, I, I don't think this is a sweep. I think having all this time off between games allows Philly to kind of set up um, like Nola and Wheeler in the, their kind of best case scenario. But th- there's just there's not enough on Philadelphia to hang with the Astros. If if you want to slug fest, the Astros can slug. If you have pitching duels, the, the, the Astros have a, a better
1: bullpen than anyone in baseball. Like they're, they're just they're so good. Yeah, I think it's going to go six because I know that's the day that U sports basketball starts and I won't be able to watch the, the final game of the World Series. And so I <laughs> figure that's the day that uh, that's going to happen. Nice. Yeah, it, it's always that way. Hey? Yeah, luckily, it's not a Jays situation that would happen. So I don't have to worry about seeing the Jays there. But I uh, know it's been a fun playoffs. I mean, I don't think it's been as much attention to these playoffs as I thought that we would have. I thought the first round really did a good job of getting a lot of attention. And then I felt like, well, the Yankees get attention and whatnot. I did feel like a little bit of a drop in the semis as far as attention. I don't know if you felt that same way.
0: Yeah, it it just like the the American League Division Series just kind of felt like an inevitability, you know? And then we got two upsets on the National League side, and that was fun. But it just kind of felt like we were just like, it was obvious we were going to get Yankees-Astros. And then you have two teams in the National League who are kind of like they're both underdogs. And underdog v. underdog isn't all that exciting. Like it, it would have been, I think, more interesting if it would have been Phillies against the, the, the Dodgers. Dodgers or yeah. the Padres against the, the Braves. Um, I think either of those would have been a bit more fun. And then in the American League side, who are you cheering for? Like you, you, you want both of those teams to lose. Um, and, and so I feel like it was just like you you need heroes and villains. And you had two heroes on one side and two villains on the other side. I think there is going to be a lot of interest for this world series as it gets going. But yeah. if the Astros win like eight, one in game one, um, I think a lot of people are just going to assume it's inevitable and, and kind of tune out.
1: And with Philly, it's not like
0: anyone is super cheering for Bryce Harper. No, no, exactly. Right. Yeah. that, that That's a very good point. Yeah. It's like he
1: made his world series. Like, okay. he's kind yeah. of an asshole.
0: Yeah. Um, also as, as two guys who have called baseball before, that yeah. home run call on Bryce Harper's home run in the eighth inning where, um, God, I'm blanking on the dude's name right now, but the new uh, the new Joe Buck for yeah. um, for Fox, where he, Harper, the swing of his life, say, all oh, that is
1: all-time legendary stuff. Yeah, as getting to, you know, get to watch a championship game this year and you say call a, cha- call a championship team this year, you always kind of wonder what that call is going to be for you.
0: So there you go. Now it is time for today's... Ticket. Uh, we have four games on the ticket today. We will start with the lone hockey game on the schedule, and that's the Florida Panthers taking on the Blackhawks. We are getting plus 100 with the Panthers at minus a goal and a half. I think Florida... Much to my chagrin is a very good hockey team. And I think the Blackhawks, uh, much to my delight, are a very bad hockey team. And I think the Florida Panthers beat them by a couple of goals. So I have Panthers minus 1.5 there. Moving into the world of the NBA, it is the Clippers minus 9.5 over the Thunder. We've seen a few bad teams stick around with good teams early on. I don't think that's going to be the case here. The Clippers seem to have a bit of a business-like approach uh, to start this season. So I think they take care of business at minus 9.5. The Warriors plus 1.5 against the Phoenix Suns. There's just not a whole lot of times I'm going to be able to get points and the Golden State Warriors in the same matchup. So I'm going to take full advantage. And finally, the Pelicans are four and a half point um, home underdogs against the Dallas Mavericks. The Pelicans are off to a great start this season. And yes, Zion Williamson not being in the lineup really hurts. However, I really trust this Pelicans team even without Zion Williamson. Uh, I think they're going to be able to keep this game close this evening. So the ticket is Pelicans plus four and a half. Warriors plus one and a half. Uh, The Clippers, minus nine and a half. And the Florida Panthers, minus a goal and a half. That is today's ticket. And that is today's show. Thank you all so much for tuning in. You can catch me on Game Over Calgary tonight. Uh, That one will be up after the Flames and the Pittsburgh Penguins. And then I'll be right back here tomorrow with your NFL Power Rankings. Thank you all so much. Talk to you all later. I'm out.